They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Audio, and then gonna record video, and we're we're recording video now, dude. Welcome. Beautiful. Hello. Good evening. What's up? Good evening, guys. I mean, is it breaking up a little bit for you guys, or is that just my end? Might be your end. I mean, I'm coming. How am I coming through to you, Andy? Am I good? You sound good. How about me? Yeah, you're good. I think Giant might be in the wilderness somewhere. He is. It looks. He's he's like crossing time zones. So who knows? Yeah, there he goes, right there. What's up, dude? What have you been up to? I know you took a little break towards the end of the year, and now you're back at it again yes sir yes sir yeah i I didn't release an episode since like early october took quite a while off and then yeah beginning of this month just started firing them out again back at it man how about you how's it going it's going good dude i haven't really i haven't really stopped i took i went to tennessee the uh, two weeks ago i was in tennessee I took a little vacation, and then I'm going on a cruise again here in for my birthday in April. Nice. So I'll be going to the Bahama cruise. You know, it's a three day cruises. I've been on so many cruises, bro. Yeah. And yeah, cruise guy. Yeah, and it was after the fact that I started to get like seasick. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm oh, a fisherman that's brutal, too. Brutal man. Do you get seasick when you're uh, when you're out fishing? So I get seasick if I'm out, I'm out on saltwater, like open ocean. But if I'm on a lake, I'm good, bro. I don't get seasick, but I get like just erratically fucking terrified of sharks, man. No, we got crocodiles here or alligators here oh. in Florida. Damn, yeah, it looks like cool. Giant's connection is chop chopping up, man. Choppity chop, giant, giant. Just, How's it going, man? It, it might be better now. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, why don't you turn your, your video off, dude? Okay, let's see. Turn the video off and then... Yeah, sometimes that helps. So what's the latest thing you've been getting into, Andy, as far as this realm of whatever that we're in? I have no clue what this is anymore. And somebody told me, I I was reading my reviews yesterday. (laughs) Somebody said my swap casts are a jokey mess, but they still love the show. So shout out to that person. <laughs> I think swap casts are usually a jokey mess. <laughs> I mean, unless we're like really aimed at a very specific thing, you know, we tend to just go off, right? 
yeah. into a million different directions. People got to remember, but you I have to have fun when you, when you, I don't know what they meant by that, but because I'm more loose on Swapcast because it's not like a structured, it's just friends hanging out type of thing or just bullshitting. People have to understand yeah. that you got to have fun while you're doing this. This stuff. is like a focus group, right? Like yeah. we're just kind of jamming out on different topics and seeing where each other's, you know, heads are at and stuff like that. Lately, yeah, I've been just jamming out on a lot of folklore and stuff. Still looking into um, a lot of those threads, tying them into uh, the ancient alien theories and stuff like that. Trying to make a make sense of that. And it's What's your uh, favorite fo- folklore. What kind? Of, what are you looking into? The Twatha de Dunan from Ireland is probably where I'm what what fascinates me most and like their permeation of our modern fiction and stuff like that. And how up until a certain point in time, what I'm trying to point at like the mid or early 1800s is I'm seeing kind of a flip from where a lot of anthropologists and, and serious historians kind of looked at a lot of the Irish and European uh, Germanic, Scandinavian folklore as a pretty damn good reference guide to prehistory of those areas of our human stories. But then at some point it kind of switched over to where folklore was kind of hijacked into the all the fantasy writing that we know of today. Uh, it was before Lewis Carroll, you know, his predecessors, those types of people. A lot of European aristocrats coming in and basically creating like, for instance, the word portal suddenly being used for the first time as like a magical doorway reference to a physical other dimension that comes from a writer named McDonald in the mid 1800s. And uh, before that, it wasn't used that way. And, And he's actually one of the origins points of like a lot of this, like fantasy driven perspective on this, Folklore. You said McDonald, McDonald. Yeah, I, so the, I don't so want to. The son of Donald, and and they say that Donald uh, Trump, right, supposed <laughs> to be a time jumper, and it's his son's name, right, Baron, that mm-hmm. jumps time, and that's weird that that guy McDonald, son of Donald, <laughs> that's what Matt yeah. right? It's it, pretty it, wild. It's just weird. Oh, yeah, things tie in like that. Oh yeah, man. What did it mean before? What was the? Because I know a portal is also a portal on a wall, right? Like an archway. Well, a porthole. It's a it's a mm. doorway, basically. It's like and a cosmic I mean, glory a hole. Of, is that what we're talking about? A lot, of, yeah. about <laughs> a lot of times we end up talking about these uh, seafaring people or sea seafaring uh, cultures uh, being these lost tribes or whatever. These lost people. And, uh, of course, porthole is more of like a seafaring term for docking ships and things like that. <laughs> docking. You definitely know I'm going to put cosmic glory holes on the title of this swap cast. So <laughs> nobody's telling me otherwise. <laughs> I just said docking, yeah. <laughs> so the – and that – you said that was Nordic mythology. Because what – is there a difference between mythology oh, well, so, and folklore? I – well, so for me, it's all comparative. But – um folklore i'm talking like yeah irish mythology irish folklore i guess it's like kind of semantics for the most part but i could be corrected mythology is typically the word is related to like greek and roman mythology and stuff like that typically but it's all myth it's all folklore you know quote unquote fake stories Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know 
And um, a lot of us in the alternative community kind of like, you know, had to break away from the mundane world growing up. So we throw that out. But then we kind of have to come back around and start looking at some of this folklore is actually like this comes from like stories of suppressed humanity, not necessarily like magical beings that are in our past, which is a hard thing to talk about in this community. John, you want to chime in yeah, on there? So, yeah. So what, what, what do you mean by uh, it's more suppressed? You don't think that there's a possibility that, uh, what we were dealing with in the past is something that is still here, maybe in different forms, or it it plays different games with uh, people that are maybe a little bit more on the outskirts than than people I don't, that are able to. I can't doubt it. I mean, I can't say that it's it's not happening because, like, there's tons of experiences that people have that are legitimate. I think. But and including me, like I've had my own experiences that I can't explain with what felt like intelligence, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm t- I what I'm doing is I'm looking up uh, I'm looking into like etymology and, and the origin of words and where they come from. Yeah. And a lot of these terms, especially when it comes to. So I got to the Twatha in Ireland because of the Anunnaki. Because the Anunnaki are the same people that were in Scythia as the Tuatha de Anu, who are the same people seemingly that are in Ireland as the Tuatha de Danann. Just the, there's this, all the descriptions are basically the same. And we get this, depending on which culture you're talking about, they describe it a little bit differently, but we can talk about Quetzalcoatl, we can talk about the Tuatha, we could talk about the Anunnaki. It doesn't really matter. They're all tall, blonde, red-haired, you know, the Nordic idea. You know, we even have Nordic aliens. That in shit's a lot racist, our... bro. Don't say that. Right? Right? It's super. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, also, DMT is racist. Did you hear? Yeah, that's a whole thing. What? <laughs> Everything's racist, bro. Yeah, man. It's all yeah. racist. Dimethyltryptamine. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> But yeah, so like I've connected a lot of these different um, quote unquote light beings or shiny ones or fair folk. Like this is basically what we're talking about. Even the word elven goes all the way back to meaning white in some ancient proto-Germanic language. So it's like it feels like we have a lot of prehistory that was annihilated destroyed covered up discarded or twisted and hijacked and manipulated and made to look like fantasy but to the layman or to the scholar it's just crazy primitive writings from silly people that lived in the past so they don't look at it at all the only people that typically look at it are people in the alternative community but they run with it just like Hollywood wants them to and they think of it very physically and materially and yeah I think that's what's happening partially I don't think that takes away from anyone's spirituality or or experiences I think we're dealing with consciousness and um, how how much we've misunderstood what collective consciousness or whatever this subjective versus objective experience of reality really is 
ver, you know, versus this quote unquote alien disclosure that the government's handing us and, and the ancient aliens. And, you know, same goes for a lot yeah. of uh, religious and, and spiritual characters in our, in our mythos. You ever, you ever, uh, you ever heard of um, the story of like the elf and the leprechaun and the dragon are all really the same story. Even the werewolf mm-hmm. is a, uh, because a leprechaun is like Lupraconus, which was the lichen, right? There's there's right. a lot of these old festivals that are very similar etymologically, but um, the story of this of these elves or these leprechauns, and a lot of the times they're they fashion things and they uh, hide uh, golds and treasures, and they come from either the abyss or uh, somewhere unseen or underground or out of the water. And there's even this like mm. this this magical horse story that connects to all this that um some people believe that it's it's actually all the same thing it just shows up in in uh different ways but that the leprechaun the elf and all these things uh, and they like to fashion shoes there's a shoe connection and there's a shoe connection and like the flying shoes with mercury and mercury being able to transcend all these different levels and also take different forms and if you look at a lot of these characters, these mythological character, hero characters throughout history, they all do the same thing. They can take these avatars and these avatars, like one of Vishnu's avatars was actually this little elf thing, right? This little dwarf. And so that it, it manifests in multiple places and, you know, at the same time, different cultures, you know, at the same time, but also throughout history and any time that it wants. And it can take whatever form it wants. Sometimes it's a dragon. Sometimes it's an elf. Sometimes it's a werewolf. Sometimes it's a vampire. You know, it, and this might be those DMT elves that people see. And these also might be what's referred to as dimethyltryptamine. This is why yeah, this is why there's a confusion constantly. With, you know, Mercury's considered, Hermes is considered a trickster, right? And there's a confusion mm-hmm. all the time. It's like, is Jesus... Uh, good or is he the devil right like there's some things that he said to like thomas in secret and stuff and he says don't tell the other apostles about this but this is really what i am right and all these characters if you look at them people will argue oh is it good or is it bad santa claus right santa claus was known to be good for years and years and years and a lot of people now think oh santa claus is actually you know this story of a, a manifestation of satan or whatever it's satan clause and right mm-hmm. another thing to point out about santa is that you know uh, let's say because uh, it's a spanish uh word right all the all the cities that are uh like santa Ana, santa clara right all these yeah. ones of santa what are what is that what what names are those they're female. They're all female. That Santa is the Feminine. female saint. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So, so calling Santa, Santa, Santa Claus, Santa, is saying that he's feminine, that he's a female, right? And he's got this big belly, and he carries this bag with things that come out of it and all this stuff. A lot of feminine aspects. The same thing with Jesus. The same thing with a lot of these characters is you can't tell whether they're female or male. There's kind of this aspect of androgyny. And they come in many, many forms and all these different characters have the same birthday and all this stuff. Right. So they're showing you that, you know, if you look at it in a certain view is that these characters that are showing up 
are all the same thing and it's a manifestation of something and it may just be the manifestation of God and God can take any form that it needs to depending on what kind of situation that's going into to get a certain reaction out of out of the situation to bend the direction of creation yeah and and this gets into the whole idea of because i think that the idea of the vampire and the werewolves and this right the werewolf comes out when the moon you have this very alchemical type of thing the the vampire dies when the sun comes out it's very alchemical so what i think was going on was they were speaking in code for something else but now what you're saying is these things manifest from the from the collective and i mean you can get into egregores right an occult concept representing a non-physical entity but the thing is is it physical or is it non and then arises from the collective thoughts of a distinct group of people which would be a culture or a a nation or a city or whatever it is you have tulpas as well which is another <clears throat> concept of something like that's more theosophical but created through spiritual or mental power so this tulpa or thought form and then you have the the whole idea of memetics how information is spread through cultures and it's very interesting because it, i for a part of me wants to be like okay it's more of alchemical they were speaking in symbols because we know mythology is symbolic and the difference between folklore and mythology, mythology is sacred, folklore is more stories. So we can, just for future reference, I mean, you know what I mean? And in all language, everything, actually, if you, the reason that, that Jesus was speaking in parables and the reason that we always have to refer to something else to explain something at every, at every mm -hmm. moment. You can't, you can't really just, you know, language isn't, uh, use like that when you look at it in detail you have to say hey you know it's it was green like that tree over there or this or that you know what i mean we're always using these references of something else to explain something and try to get a concept and, and transfer it to someone else's mind right so we're always using symbols you have uh, to. to yeah you have to you have to use symbols yeah, i got yeah. There, there was a, there was a deep trip that a friend and I had, and we were, we were stuck in this loop basically for what felt like hours of desperately describing this experience we were having. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like this, it's like that, and we felt yeah. like we were just like running around this center point without being able to touch it. Because yeah. it's like you can't name it, you can't see it, you can't put it into language, you can't rationalize it or, you know, yeah. use logic to suss it out. Because you have to, to use the same words that you define, you have to use it within that definition of the thing you're trying to define. You ever, you ever had somebody ask you, what does this mean? And you go, well, it means the word that they told you. And they're like, well, yeah. you can't do that. It's like, well, I can't find the words. And yesterday I was doing an episode with Waters Above and he said something that really sh like just shook me to my core. He's like, we're taught to memorize definitions, but not know the meaning. Because a definition is not necessarily the meaning behind something. We're only taught the definition, but the meaning is what people are missing. And a lot of people just pretty much regurgitate whatever they're taught. And it's just 
recycled BS over and over and again. And where's the meaning? The meaning is when you connect it to other things. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I have lots of reference points. If you have different angles at the same thing that you're viewing, then you'll know it more wholly. And this is why, uh, it, like, a lot of the information that the Masons and all this stuff passed down, it's all symbolic and stuff, is because it, it takes a, a human really knowing this world and interacting in it before they can start getting it. They're like, oh, I got it because of this, this, and this. I had this experience. You got to start building experience in this world and, and messing with it and feeling it out. And then you can start understanding these deeper things. And you got to get more and more information before you start really creating a good picture of understanding things especially some of these deeper things. About the world. And, and I think etymology is that I, I really want to get more into etymology because there is so much to, to draw from that angle. And there's some guys that can break things down. This sounds like this and cool. I like all that, but I'm talking about like legitimate etymology, like the actual, what it means. And because there are so many things hiding within our own language. I mean, grammar does right. come from grimoire. So I think that's also a magical aspect. like the Russian doll within, you know, nested, egg one in the side of the other so and i think that's done by design and i was talking about this yesterday because i didn't speculate the waters above did he said that mathematics probably came first because th there is no how because we're talking about referencing one thing to reference another well mathematics one plus one is always two no matter where you go you can be here you can be in Japan or you can be in Australia. Some people think Australia doesn't exist, but you can be in Australia and it's still the one plus one is two is two. Right. So mathematics, that that's what the, I, I, what I think the Pythagoreans are really hinting at. And there was groups before the Pythagoreans, but they essentially worship number because they understood that not only did it have a quantitative meaning, it also had a qualitative meaning. It, uh, it had, it was, they were archetypes, essentially. And everything always goes back to mathematics, frequencies, everything that with the sounds right now that we're, that we're talking, the computer that we're on right now, it's running on binary code and all these different things. And it goes back to math. All is number, how Pythagoras was saying. Check out that link I just put in the uh, chat. Don't tell me what to do, Andy, okay? You've probably not, seen it before. Not in front, of, a... not in front of the people. <laughs> it's an image that's been floating. I've never seen this before. This this to me for the view for the listeners it's a you know it's just one one through nine and then zero, and it shows how many angles oh. can be drawn in each number. And I I just always found this interesting because while I'm busy trying to relate the English language to the idea of angelic language, there comes this, and this makes even more sense where it's like mathematics seems to be a universal language, so. It's interesting how the angles fit into all of this. I'm going to read something because check yeah. this out. This this really made my nipples hard yesterday. So Ooh, I like it. Check this out because we're talking about mathematics. I'm going to repeat myself. I don't care. But John D. Right, he was a mathematician, and he he they had something known known as mathesis, which is more of a philosophical approach to math. And this thing here that this guy wrote, I'm going to give him credit. It's called Solus Solus Sendens. And it's a guy named Alex Sumner. He's a novelist and writer on the occult. So ch shout out to this guy. This guy really knows how to word things and put them together. Let me find the little the excerpt because it really, dude, it's, it's, he puts it so beautifully. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. So any day now I can find it. 
And while you're finding that, I'll just say that, um, yeah, touching on all this, like how we interpret words and stuff. That's part of what I'm kind of getting at with, um, you know, what this folklore is really telling us and everything, because when we, when, you know, the majority have some sort of ecstatic experience with the paranormal or psychedelics or meditate, whatever, whatever method they choose without, you know, true understanding or proper education. We're all just chaotically figuring it all out after that, that moment. And it's easy to go to the literature that's been given to us and Mm -hmm. seek out answers for what that ineffable experience was. They always provide answers for us. Like, so this hijacking of history that I'm talking about, it's kind of like getting two birds stoned at once where you hijack history by turning it all into fiction, but you use that fiction to also hijack consciousness and create religion. Mm. So these fairies, right? All this magical stuff in folklore, how many people have had many like psychedelics experiences and things of that, like, who have run to these kinds of narratives and gone, yeah, I, I now like commune with the, the fairy circles and, and they interpret it that way. When it comes down to it, it's pretty clear when you make all these connections from all the different folklore throughout Europe, they're talking about a bunch of white people. They're not talking about magical beings. China, China, but China. That doesn't, that doesn't necessarily take away from the, experience that the person had but i'm saying the literature that's handed to us is the gatekeeper basically does that make sense bro we get into phenomenology where it's the experience right it's the experience that matters so the science of phenomena is direct from that of nature of being so it's real to you might not be real to me but it's real to you so therefore it is true now let me read this, John, do you think, because you're bringing up some interesting points. So I think it's all tied to sacred geometry, Euclid's 47th proposition. And we know that John D was the first one to translate it into either English or Latin. One of the two. He was one of the first ones to do something. But check this out. D's approach is not just one of practical mathematics, but also mathesis. This is a kind of mystical mathematics a la Pythagoras, as of the secret language of the mind of God, which holds the universe and all its inhabitants together, consists of numbers. So this is what monadology is all about, about that they're trying to break down God into a physical substance and harness that power. Okay, so... Check this out. This is the part that really just... uh. Hence, magic is the art of discovering the equations which govern the universe. Damn, bro. That's deep. That's deep, bro. Because ever since in school, when they teach us all this math, they never taught us what it meant. Oh, here's this theorem. You plug A, B, and C, and you get whatever. What does that mean? Ah, We don't know. Like what you're teaching me this? Oh, it's just to help you train your mind. Sure, but it meant something to the Pythagoreans and all these secret societies that revere all these guys. So it's got an esoteric and occulted meaning, and they're just they're just teaching us the exoteric, the stuff that anybody can just, you know. There's a lot of occulted things and a lot of and a lot of the, the devices that we use and and the language that we use. There's hidden meanings behind all that. Now, if it got lost because it was passed down orally because of the tradition of like the secret societies, how John was saying with the Freemasons or whatever, whatever, 
that's a whole nother aspect, a whole nother story. But yeah, so magic is the art of discovering the equations which govern the, you know, I think that's so beautiful and so poetic. But what you're talking about, I'm going to ruffle some feathers up. I know, Andy, you talk about old world stuff and and the whole Tartarian crowd and this whole thing. Well, what you're saying that there is this, there's this book that I was reading. I have to look for it, but I think it's something along the lines, the store, the store, the, I'll find it, but essentially it's about how stories, regardless of what they're about, they paint an entire world within your mind without necessarily trying to as you're reading and i'm talking about um a fictional story it forms almost as if the author is a cartographer of the mind of the higher realms okay and this gets into cartography and i'm doing something on cartography separately and maps and all this stuff i'm not going to get into all that but the idea that they're able to paint an entire world that is real in your consciousness, that is real in whatever realm, the theory of forms, right? In the, in the realm of forms, it's, it's real up there. As you read and as you piece yourself through this book and it becomes real. And then we get into the more complicated aspect that we we're talking about earlier about the egregores and topos where these things perhaps come in through the portal of the imagination and manifest physically in this realm. And you start to see them running around, look at, that, look at that leprechaun over there. And maybe there's, maybe there might be nothing in there. Who knows? But Maybe that's what Bigfoot is. Maybe that's what all the, the dog man and the skinwalker and all these things, they come through that portal of the imagination. Now let's take it a step further because there's this, this, <laughs> this Argentinian writer, George Luis Borges, which he, he did a lot of short stories and they're more like, th- like thought experiments. Now this particular story here, Talon, Ukbar, Orbis, Tertius, Tertius, it's about a secret society. So, and, and, and I'm going to take this away so you guys can get where I'm coming from. <laughs> it's about a secret society that quite literally fakes ancient documents about a past civilization. <laughs> and other people find it. And that fictional past civilization, because they fake these books, becomes real in the real world. What does that sound like? Tartaria. Whoa, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not I can hear him in the comments. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, yeah, Tartar. I, I feel like it doesn't matter if it's real or fake or in what context we're looking at it. Like, it's all information that it's either worthwhile to us or it's absolutely worthless and we're wasting all of our time entirely. So <laughs> I think it's. What you know, I think no matter what context you look at Tartaria, you're going to get something out of when you're in these realms, you know. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's just um, we, yeah, we do think... have a lot of gatekeeping in the ancient history and, and the you know, the sudden uncovering of esoteric ancient stuff, it's very heavily gate kept, right? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, uh when you when you sit there you know and you close your eyes and you just think of an object right whatever it may be you can see it in your head right and if you're if you're on things like ayahuasca whatever dmt psilocybin all that stuff 
you're, you're able to imagine it a lot easier, even with your eyes open, you know? And so it's like, it's the dream world. The, the world of creation is, is all in our imagination. Right. Mm-hmm. And the more we focus on those things, we can, we can bring them forward, especially like, okay, you, you, you want to have a certain, you have your dream home or something like that. Right. Or, or the, you know, ideal woman that what she looks like or whatever you, you imagine that in your head, you think about it and stuff, and then you go out and look for it, or you can go out and actually build it in this world, right? You can bring the pieces together and do it. And then, you know, probably even a, a deeper step is obviously that the more you can focus on that and you can get more people focusing on it, you might even be able to bring things out of nothing into this existence because this existence is really something that's made from nothing, right? Like, where did we come from? Like none of us, none of us really know. Where do we go when we sleep? None of us really know. There's a lot of unanswered questions to exactly what it is that we're playing with here, what we're in. Some people think a simulation or whatever. I think we're making simulations as a copy of what it is that we're in. It's not exactly that, but it's close enough. We're trying to, you know, yeah, we're just creating microcosms of ours. Yeah. And well, so, we're copying. It's duplicates. It's kind of what we we yeah. accuse the elites of all the time, where they're like mimicking, you know, authentic things and yeah. putting them in our faces. We're doing that to ourselves all the time too. Yeah, exactly. Even the material reality we hold check, to, you know, we're that's holding together. It's, check this out. This is one of my favorite, of one of my favorite jokes. Cause I do for my kids. And my kids are off the hook. You, you think I'm a bad motherfucker. Wait till you see the 2000 model Chappelle. This nigga is off the hook. My sons are bad. My oldest son is three. This nigga made me a necklace out of macaroni. I said, this shit is a baller. He painted the macaroni green and put it on a string. He tied it on my neck and he told me he was proud of me. And I got choked up. And he thought I was sad. That's how smart he was. He says, are you sad, daddy? And I said, no. Sad. He's too young to understand this, son. But this is fucking crazy. <laughs> you used to live in my balls, man. <laughs> you used to live in my balls. He's like, where do we come from? I mean, I looked at my son and told him that before. I go, damn, bro, it's crazy to think that you were in my sack at one point, right? I mean, that's how that's yeah. essentially that's always my been a question too. that. We've asked as a people, where do we come from? And then what came first, the chicken or the egg? And it just makes you think. And then mainstream, we know I don't marry any idea. I don't subscribe 100% to any idea because reality is subjective. Reality is what you make of it. Now, if the supernatural exists, I'm sure it exists. I've seen miracles. I mean, I've uh, during church, but I don't know if that was the collective in that area, right? You're at church, everybody's praying, everybody's putting that concentration on whatever the preacher is saying and doing at that point in time. So, boom, you have this supernatural for the split second, and and it creates a biological change within that person at that point in time. Mm-hmm. What also does that? A placebo effect yeah. also does that. The person. What's the difference, though? Yeah. That's the thing, you know? So here's, the, here's what, I, what I'm getting at. Let's use a hypothetical. So the hypothetical is that everything is God or whatever you want to call it. There's nothing outside of that sphere. There is no outside. And they know this with some sort of 
I don't know if you want to call it certainty, but some sort of legacy, if you will, of, of holding it together, holding reality together with this truth. And what's the best way to obfuscate that as people start to get more and more intelligent? Well, we have a lot of ways of doing that. Religion's a big one. So these experiences and consciousness are real because this place that we're living in is us. There, there is no outside. There is no difference. And, you know, we're not going towards the, you know, I'm God and you're God. It's, it's not a possessive thing that we are this thing. We, it's, it's just, it's a flowing, it's a process. And we're all part of that process. And the fact that they can materialize it and physicalize it and, and personify it, that's how, and then we do it naturally anyway. So they kind of put the ideas into concrete. I mean, look at Hollywood and how they portray magic. It's not sleight of hand as it really is and tricking yourself and, and the, the invisible world that we always talk about. It's this very lightsaber-esque fucking sci-fi thing that they present to the world. And they instill that into us, that very material, very physical view of everything. And that, that very separate view, the gods and the spirits and the this and the that are always some extra thing and they're also always more powerful and what are we always talking about the main narrative against us is to teach us that we're not powerful at all so give us things that are much more powerful than us always 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 whether it's aliens or angels or fairies or pixies or whatever you want to call it i think cinema others but it shouldn't because it's it's not disagreeing with anything it's just framing it differently Check this quote out. I think cinema, movies, and magic have always been closely associated. The very earliest people who made film were magicians, and that's Francis Ford Coppola, bro. One of the Coppolas. So Mm -hmm. let that sink in. I call them cinemagicians, bro. Your favorite, huh? 100%. 100%. Nicolas Cage or Coppola? Yeah, bro, exactly. Coppola, Coppola, whatever. Who gives a shit? English is not my first language. So for those making fun of me... For the way I pronounce things, just know you're making fun of a minority. How does that feel to, to yeah, make yeah. fun of a minority? I, th- I thought you were making fun of his name. I, I yeah. no, no. I just I literally <laughs> until you just corrected me. I had been saying Coppola this whole time. His <laughs> name was Coppola. 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 Yeah. yeah it's go. a cool move nah, to pronounce just, celebrities' names wrong as if they're not really that important. I think that's a. I think that's. I think that's good. Nicholas Kajay. Yeah. 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 Kaji. Right. Kaji. <laughs> There's a gnat in my room, but oh, it's yeah, pissing yeah. me off, man. You know he owns a pyramid. Oh, he own he he like already bought his headstone. It's this like <laughs> massive pyramid <laughs> in a really important graveyard or something, bro. It's Nick Cage is. I'm like a prickly pear. Hold on, uh, wrong wrong sound. Nicholas Cage <laughs> as Jesus Christ. Hail Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage is Count of Saint Germain, bro. He's an immortal alchemist, and he is an artiste. He is making art here, and he's trying to awaken the masses. That's why he's been it. in so many movies. So, I think that he's in some of the best movies ever these days. I feel like he's appealing to his fan base now. <laughs> well, he said he's, he's never going like to retire, movies. so he's going to be doing films until he, he dies pretty much but yeah he is he is <laughs> he was in debt for a very it probably still is in debt and he was just like picking up all these movie roles just b-list movies and and doing everything that he possibly could in order to pay off because he was spending money on like i think he bought a t-rex skull at one point yeah he bought i think well, he, he bought, bought an a island 
<laughs> did, did he? Let's see the weird shit that Nick Cage has bought. <laughs> Nick Cage and his son and him are friggin' amazing together because his son's in like a black metal band, like a serious like death metal band. It's pretty hilarious. The black makeup and everything. Doesn't he play a vampire in like a new show or something? Either a movie or a TV show? Yeah, there's a new movie or Netflix thing or whatever. Uh, it's about the uh, the weird human character that's always like totally down with Dracula and helps him out. What's what? his name? Ranquist or something? Or oh uh, yeah, his little helper. Yeah, the helper. The helper. The, yeah, he's like part yeah. vampire. So he bought two castles. <laughs> He bought. Two, he bought Where a, are they? Where a Gulfstream turbojet, two castles. So the one owned for uh, Nicholas Cage bought two, purchased two grand castles. These beautiful structures are located in Europe and cost them a pretty penny. One of the castles is in Germany, and the other is in Bath. Both. That's pretty amazing. That's why he's in debt. Madame Lalaurie's mansion. Who's this? <sighs> no idea. I have no idea. He's an incredible human. The Haunted Mansion of the Lord. What? Well, he's obsessed with everything paranormal and haunted, and he's just, he loves it all. That's a Capricorn for you. (laughs) They like like that dark side. (laughs) What's my excuse then? I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus too, bro. Taurus gang. Gang, gang. Also, my wife is like obsessed with um, this whole vedic versus tropical versus like true sidereal and and trying to see like where her life lines up with all of them the only real stuff is tropical the other stuff is all astronomy it's all it's all fake bro people don't know what they're talking about no i'm real i'm really curious about that because there's of course there's like you know million view youtube channels that she watches that i mean i don't know any better i don't know enough to know the difference i can explain it real quick what what tropical is and how why it's the only actual astrology mm-hmm. the the reason is is that the, the tropic is is talking about the sun and the sun's movement right okay. and the the closest bodies to anything are the things that influence it the most right so what we have closest to us are the planets and the sun and the sun is obviously the largest influence because it's so big but it also excretes right it's it's sending out waves right the other planets are more like you know reflections they're they're vibrating because of the waves that they're getting from the sun and then they have their own vibration that comes off so it it, you know it's uh, bouncing off of them and so they have their own they tune it in a certain way, right? It's a way of thinking about it. But what what's happening in in the zodiac is they were they were finding out how effects were happening during certain periods of time by where the sun was and where the planets were on a certain time period, and they were taking so when you're when it's uh, let's say for Taurus, right? When yeah. the sun is in Taurus, the earth is on the Scorpio side. So you're near, you're near Scorpio when your sun sign comes up, right? That's why the sun is rising on the east and behind the sun is your sign, right? Okay. So why, yeah. how, would, how would that make any sense 
that that over there had anything to do with your personality. It doesn't. It's a backdrop. It's a way to mark something. They were marking it for thousands of years, right? Huh. So, okay. so when you're when we're moving astro astronomically, when we're moving away from those those uh, stars, and those stars are not near each other, right? Those stars right. are at different distances to the Earth. So you can see how there's no actual physical vibration or anything that would matter from those stars. They were a backdrop. They don't match up to the symbols that we overlay on top of them, right? We've just overlaid a symbol on top of this area of sky that has these stars that are different distances and mm -hmm. they're on the other side. So those are things that people need to take into consideration when thinking about this question, right? And what happens is, is that as we're moving around the sun over a certain amount of thousands of years, we start uh, precessing, right? And when we do yeah. that, what's happening is, is the view that we have, because it, it starts clicking the angle, the view that we have actually starts changing. So that's all that's happening is it's the view of the earth looking through the sun that those constellations aren't in the, aligned anymore. Plus, those constellations are all these different sizes and stuff like that. So they don't even fit into that, that simple category, you know, simple even areas of houses that there's 12 of split right. up, right? What it, what it has to do with, it has to do with the seasons. So this is why the cardinal signs are where you have your seasons, your solstices and your equinoxes. And mm -hmm. that's where they find out where to put all the signs. Right. And so it has to do with that. See, the reason why the seasons would matter is, is that we don't go around the sun perfectly, that we're closest to the sun during winter in the northern hemisphere. And we're furthest away from the sun during uh, the summer solstice. And the reason that we have winter here is just because the, the angle, the tilt that we are to the sun. Right. Mm -hmm. But we're actually closer and further and we're on different sides of the sun during the equinoxes. So every one of those sections, that pie piece of 12 that you move into when you're going around the sun is going to give you a different amount of sun energy. And then that's where you get the differences in the effects on Earth and the personality. And then you got to take in consideration all the planets and what houses they're in and all the angles that they're at and how they're reflecting that energy off the sun, bouncing it off of them, coming to us on Earth, the moon, wow. how it plays in. Then you'll see how those energies are hitting you. That's what makes all these different personality types within zodiac signs, right? In different years that you're born and all these different things. But in general, when you're that close to the sun, at that angle up to the sun, in those different houses, you know, zodiac signs, that's how you get those personality types. And you'll see that these people keep the same personality types. This is how you know you don't change it depending on the constellations. You just follow the solstices. You follow the equinox and the solstices. And they always, this is why they changed time. This is why they went back 12 days is because of the leap years. They got off track and they figured out they're all, oh, winter solstice doesn't line up anymore. We got to take it back 12 days, line it up with winter solstice. That's why we have a 12 day difference. That's why there's a 12 day of Christmas. Christmas I, just, was I was just going to ask. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Man. You, Old, look up old Christmas. Old Christmas is January 5th or 6th, right? The eve of, of the 5th and then the 6th. And that's when uh, Three Kings Day and Epiphany, 
these days mm-hmm. are is because that's marking old grave. Like the Russians, I believe, and a couple of the other churches, the old churches, still keep it on January 5th. And you'll see that the that the amount of days from January 5th Epiphany and stuff like that to the new year is exactly the same amount of days from Christmas to the solstice. Because when the old Christmas, the new year used to mark the solstice. Now the solstice has moved over, but they kept the new year at January 1st. According to this website, astrology doesn't work and it never, and never worked. Here's why. And they're explaining why (laughs) astrology never worked. Trust the science. And you had me, bro. I mean, keep them coming. You had me at the excreting sun. So the the title we have. Yeah, that was wild. That's made everything sound very electric. (laughs) The excreting sun, cosmic glory holes. I need one more for a title. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's just talk about box saga and we'll we'll figure it out. It is the it is the father. The son is the father, right? So um, yeah. there's a theory. Have you ever heard of the theory that everything is one hydrogen atom and it's just moving so fast it's everywhere at once. So wherever you look, it's already there because we only see in so many frames per second, right? Mm-hmm. So it is so quick that it, it makes up all the objects that we see and it's Bullshit. spinning at different rates at those moments. <laughs> Well, I, this, is, this is just a theory. But anyways, the point is, is that the sun is burning hydrogen, right? And the water that we have on Earth and everything is, is hydrogen. It's two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, right? And let's say that, you know, if that's true, that it's all just one hydrogen. I mean, even that oxygen is hydrogen just at a lower <laughs> right? And this is why you can alchemize and change different things by, by putting a vibration on it. It'll, it'll go into a, either a slower or faster spin. And when it goes into a slower or faster spin, it changes what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Transmutation. Right? So that's, all, that's the only difference between things is just the spin. And that, it's like looking at a fan going at a different speed, right? You, it almost looks like it moves backwards sometimes or whatever, and you can't really pick out the fan blades. It's, right. it's, it's very similar to something that's happening. Am I breaking up, guys? A, a little bit, we're getting a little feedback. I thought it was me because my thing, no, there it goes. But yeah, I was going to say something and I completely forgot because the interference uh, freaking made me lose my train of thought. But oh, the idea of, because that makes a lot of sense, right? Like what if reality or what we perceive to be is one, you said one atom and it's just going around everywhere like a freaking maniac? Can you hear us, Giant? He said one hydrogen atom. One hydrogen atom? Hydrogen molecule? Have you ever heard of the the sun being a portal, bro? You ever hear about that before? Ever hear that? No, what's that about? Uh, Let's see if we can get Giant. Let's see if he's ever heard about it. Giant? He was getting too close. Yeah. There he is. Yeah, he still got a little bit of feedback, but... Breaking up bad, man. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Sorry, man. Yeah, this idea of the sun being a portal to like another dimension or something. I've heard, I forgot where I heard it. I think I heard it on. It was a podcast I was listening to. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, the, the fact that uh, there are some, I think it was some cultures believed it was a portal to another dimension, okay. and that 
right? You, you, you sun gaze or whatever it is and you're able to, I've never done it, but you're able to it helps you or something. I don't know. I mean, that's what I've heard before. The, the way people talk about sun gazing, at least to the extremes I've heard it talked about, like it sounds very possible that you can kind of get into a transcendental state yes. just by doing it. Like it's a very helpful method of getting there. You ever rubbed your eyelids a lot and then you'd like get into like this trance? <laughs> yes. Well, not even just the trance, but like maybe it's only post psychedelics, but like all that crazy color that occurs when you do that. Yeah. Has like extreme order to it now, or at least it finds its way there. <laughs> it's unreal. <laughs> I can almost make myself hallucinate. <laughs> yeah, dude, for as a kid, remember when you would go into a room the darker you'd see those things in the air, the like the whatever. Oh yeah, just everything. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Like we never <laughs> talked about that. Like, what if that was the other dimension and it's like dissolving as we we're looking at it? We were just so close to it back then, you know. That's that's always what's said when you're a child. You're so much closer to the mystery of it. They told me the of it. that when you close your eyes and you see those little things those geometric patterns because it sometimes it yeah, turns yeah. into geometric patterns like it's That's crazy what I'm talking about. yeah it finds order yeah <laughs> um they, somebody told me that it's actually bacteria that's on your eye and as you close your eye you're it's like a snapshot you're killing everything so it just kind of stays like imprinted but right now i can just imagine and i can see like flashes right now <laughs> you ever hear of a dream machine about it dude is that you can do that so you you're in silent darkness right a total darkness and you can press on your eyes and create color and light and that always fascinated me it was really it's, it's kind of like similar to uh, you ever seen that video of krs1 uh holding up the big sign the 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 monster logo he's like all right everybody without your mouths with your mouths closed in your head say the word monster and then he goes everybody heard monster right but you didn't say anything you made no vibration yet you heard sound Whoa. how is that possible and this is kind of similar it's like you're literally creating light out of the darkness behind your eyes and yeah there can be a material explanation that a scientist can give like wow the bacteria yeah. but that's the beauty of the hidden world. It's always a wink and a nod. And yeah, you don't get to know why, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's always there, whether it can be proven, it's never going to be proven. That's the whole point. Kind of like back when we were talking about, like, you can't rationalize it or you can't name it. You can't put it into a logical frame of, of existence. It doesn't work. That it doesn't fit. So it's ineffable. And have you ever heard of this? The, the dream machine? No. So apparently the way that they make it is you get a, there's instructions on how to make it online. John, are you there? Cause we're getting a little bit of crackling. Can you hear us? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's in and out. I'm trying to, I'm hoping that it's going to get better here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you pretty good. Okay. That's good. I think it, I think it's getting better. Hopefully. So this this device, the way that you make it, there's instructions online how to make it. And there's like a cutout. So you get a record player, and you make this out of paper or something. And there's a lamp in there, right? Like a lamp without a shade. And mm -hmm. what it's supposed to do, you spin it at a certain, you know, RPMs, and you put your face by it, and it's supposed to induce hallucinations, bro. It's supposed to. It's like an altered state of consciousness, bro. Huh, that's I can see that. Just from a light. So let me read here a little bit about it. But also the oscillation, right? That helps. 
that's part of it. Yes, the spinning of it. So had a yeah. transcendental experience on the way to Marseville. The flickering of sunlight through avenues of trees along the roadside and the speed of the bus he was riding proved optimal. Or so he thought to put him in a hallucinatory, hallucinatory dreamlike state. An overwhelming flood of intensely bright patterns and supernatural colors exploded behind my eyelids. So here we are, you and I, like, rubbing the mm. fuck out of our eyes. Uh, that's all you <laughs> need to do. You're pushing your eyeball into your orbital socket, and you're just like, <laughs> my dude, my eyes make this, squir- so slightly, brother. this squirting so noise. <laughs> my eyes go, <laughs> and my wife said, gets so mad. I have I have sight problems now, but at least I can create color. <laughs> so an overwhelming flood of intensely bright patterns and supernatural colors exploded behind my eyelids. A multi-dimensional kaleidoscope whirling out through space. Just didn't recalled. I was see here. I was swept out of time. I was out in a world of infinite number. The vision stopped abruptly as abruptly as we left the trees. So this dude was like having, he's on the bus, bro, and he's tripping into the other dimension with the excreting sun just excreting in his eyes as he's on the bus, all these kaleidoscopes and colors, and then he decided to make it into a a thing. So, again, the 1970s, that's crazy. Look at him, look at him, look at him. It's like excreting my eyes, bro. I wonder how long it lasts. I'm gonna like salvia. <laughs> I'm gonna make one, dude. I'm gonna make one and, and do it and, yeah, yeah. and report back to you guys to see what happens. Dude, that's some new merch right there. <laughs> right? Making these things? Hold on, let me see if they sell them on it. It kind of reminds me of the whirling dervish, because like that's related to yes. transcendental state. And it's that motion, it's that oscillation. It's always it's really interesting how that oscillation seems to tie into everything. So let's see if Etsy has a dream machine. <laughs> no, they don't. Damn, dude. I feel like the dream machine was like the name of the 1992 Olympic basketball team with like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and and all those guys. Yeah, that was the wasn't the, the name of the, of the Scooby Doo van, the dream machine. Probably, yeah, it could be. Yeah, sounds about right. Let's see here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out, out a way to make this because apparently a dream machine is a clock, like a like an analog clock. Hmm. Dream machine, psychedelic. Because there is this thing supposedly. Joe Rogan's talked about it where you're able to induce different states like a dmt like experience with lights so it's like something that they put on your eyes and you're able to have it trip out bro you know what i mean i'm seeing a lot of ar glasses on the market now and i know that's just like the the, like very beginning of it for the most part but ar is going to be a really interesting thing i can only imagine that someone's already like in that field working on simulating a DMT trip just through visuals that you could just put on your face. Like so much easier than a, than like VR because you're, you could actually incorporate the world. Oh, I saw that. I saw a video of that. Like think about the technology behind Adobe Premiere and Adobe Photoshop. A lot of it feels like too powerful. You're like, wait, what? 
I didn't capture that part of the tree because the dude was in front of it. How are you perfectly articulating <laughs> that tree when I delete him? Like, you know, it's all AI little processes and shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they imagine what they could do with like immersive AR glasses. I saw I mean, a guy who <laughs> he scanned his entire house and yeah. then he pointed everything out, all the rooms all the walls, and then he clicked the button and he started playing a shooter game in his house. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's pretty wild, man. I've seen people do that with, like, Doom and stuff like that. Like, classic, you're walking around your own apartment in Doom. It's pretty wild. But there's a line to be drawn. It's, like, weird because, like, we see how psychedelics have kind of been used and manipulated and hijacked by certain entities of our enemy. But at the same time, they're creating all this technology where they may not even need to bother with psychedelics. Dude. But they, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird their involvement with all that. 145. But that's a steal. So that's you, wild, man. So you get a Dream Machine DVD, a book, and everything for $145, dude? Dude, this would be a great unboxing video. <laughs> just do it in, like on live stream. Just like, all right, guys. Yeah, so, man, all right. Joe Rogan, <laughs> is that you? Oh, hey, Joe. It's like, welcome to the Joe Rogan experience. (laughs) That's all it's been this whole time. (laughs) Have you noticed that Joe Rogan is now suddenly having guests on that are of the paranormal elk? And, uh, like, there's there's more mystical stuff being talked about suddenly. Wait, what? It just popped up on my YouTube feed where suddenly he's having, like, these paranormal investigators on his show. Who is he, Tony Merkel now? (laughs) So that's the thing. It's like, it's interesting interesting to see if if we were to hypothetically call him a gatekeeper, that like how far behind the gatekeeping is compared to like what we all talk about in our community. Because like this is Joe Rogan maybe pretending to just be getting interested in the possible connection to like, oh, DMT and paranormal like this, this is like fifty-year-old research, you know, and it's just being pushed now into the into the sphere. It's weird. Uh, so I'm about to buy this. So the rapid <laughs> flashing effect produced by the dream machine may cause headaches or seizures in some people. Please use with caution and never operate it alone. Another person should be present at all times in the case assistance is needed. So how am I going to do this? Who was he? Was a dream machine, British born Canadian illustrator. I'll make sure I'm I'm, I'm gonna do this. So I need to be in a, like a as it rotates, slot cut a light, hit the user's eyelids eight or thirteen times per second, matching the rate of alpha waves produced by the brain during meditation or the early stages of sleep. The inspiration for this dream machine came by traveling on, on a bus along a, tr- a line of trees, writing in this journal. I close my eyes. Okay, we read that earlier. The package release. Da da da. Printed and die cut on sturdy, flexible cardstock for an easy, for ready to use right out the box. Simply connect the overlapping. Uh, oh. This thing Wait, totally seems worth what? it, though. Please note this Dream Machine package does not include an LP or turntable. What a scam, bro! So what am I paying for the friggin' piece of paper for construction paper? Oh, looks like it. What a scam! All right, so never mind. I was about to. I thought it came with a freaking 
turntable, so I'm not gonna buy it. All right, back on back to searching, bro. Back to, <laughs> but I didn't notice that the last interview that I listened to on the Joe Rogan was Jordan Peterson, and it's funny that you mentioned that because Jordan Peterson was talking about the psychological pandem- pandemics that are going on. Mm. So almost like there is this psychological contagion that is going around and affecting everybody. Yeah. What a better way to push the next thing, bro. This What do you um what do you think of his new consortium? What is Have that? You heard about Jordan Jordan Peterson's Peterson's new consortium? What does consortium mean, bro? I don't even know what that like word a, means. Like a fancy word for <laughs> you know, overly intellectual word for for a group, a group of a group of men. No, but uh, it's just literally good, a, yeah, it's a group of, of people that he's gathering. You can look it up as it's Joe Rogan shocked by by Jordan Peterson's big reveal. And it's basically an entity that he wants to create among the intelligent people of the world oh my to fight back against the W.E.F. And man, does this ha- I mean, to me, all I'm hearing is, you know, create a problem, sell a solution. Problem reaction solution. Oh, I heard That's that part, I mean. but I didn't hear the Jordan part Houston where is dirty as fuck, you know. Or he had a, a a group like a a. It's brand new. He was just on like a week ago, yeah. maybe left. And this clip is all it's all over YouTube and everything. I think the clip is literally called like Joe Rogan shocked by Jordan Peterson's big announcement. Yeah, but I, I didn't hear that part. I saw the part where he exposes the. WEF and like how he talks oh, about him. But... Good for him. What we've been all doing it for how many years now? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, I no, he, this is, uh, he goes into like this literal idea that has been created behind closed doors and is happening right now. And we're, you know, we're going to fight back against the tyranny as a group. We're going to pose good questions, you know. And it, to me, it sounds exactly like this council of elders that Joe Rogan has always talked about with his audience, that he always thinks the world should be run by a council of elders. And so we've been groomed for it, and here it comes, you know? All right, so... I, I don't know. To me, it sounds like an like a convenient answer, right? It's a power grab. I'm going to go ahead and make my own dream machine because this is ridiculous. I'm not paying $30 for this. I can make this on my Cricut. I could just cut a freaking piece yeah, of cardstock. Find and... out how to do it and do it yourself, I would say. That's the best way to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to report, but we should do an episode on it after. I'm going to do it on oh, air. You need a turntable? I have one for you. Oh. Do you really? How much is a turntable? Oh, let's see. Oh, you could probably get one cheap, though. This is a classic, though. This is from the 70s. Who the fuck uses a turntable anymore, bro? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That, like, came back in. I had it's one. Is it already out again? Is it already out again? No, is it not cool anymore? I had one, and when I moved out of my dad's house, I don't know what happened to it. This was, like, years mm. ago, but I did have one. I'm talking, like, the past, like, five years. At least it's weird. Like, the punk, hardcore, metal scene, they all have, like, special edition LP releases for their albums, and it's like, what? This is a weird retro comeback for a big hunky piece of equipment that only nerds have. But yeah, I got one. <laughs> Yo, uh, John, are you there, bro? Or are you? Yeah, yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Hell yeah, me. man. Chime in. We're just okay. chit chatting away. All right, yeah, so look at this one. On Forty bucks. Out on me, and I have to move spots. I'm like, this is causing the issue. But yeah, hopefully this is a good spot. You sound good, man. All right. 
I, I hope it lasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned a Keep bunch that, of different though. topics that you wanted to get into. We should definitely cover some yeah. of it. Like the Sophia stuff yeah. is really fascinating to me. Yeah. So, uh, what do you what do you guys uh, know about Sophia? Um, what is what is your understanding of uh, where the idea comes from and all that? I mean, most people, it's like a Gnostic thing. They think that Sophia is, uh, you know, created the demiurge and that's where I'm like at. That. Is that kind of where where your your knowledge yeah, for the most part. That's where yeah. I'm at. Yeah, I use that metaphor quite a bit. That story. Look, you see, I had this in 2018. Last yeah, purchase, yeah. February 6, 2018, and I lost it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. But you know, keep in mind, like, you know, so that that story of Sophia and the Demiurge only goes back so far, and the Gnostics are only so old, and we know our history is a lot much, a lot, lot older than that, and the symbols are just as old, and they've just been hijacked and reappropriated many times. And the sounds. Yeah, can you hear me? I think he, yep. he keeps cutting out. Oh man, this thing is. Uh, all right. Well, let me let me try to talk here and see if it if it holds up for a little while. Cool. Is that is that breaking up when I'm talking? No, not at all, man. Sounding good. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, so what? What I understand about Sophia, you know, obviously there's a lot of information out there and a lot of beliefs and all that stuff. But um, what I've studied about Sophia and, um, you know, listened to other people and their studies, it, it, Sophia is just basically kind of obviously an archetype type. She's a, a feminine archetype that um, is trying to explain and, and the symbology of what she is 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 wisdom or sophisticated that's where we get the word sophistication right mm. so you you can't get wisdom or sophistication until time has passed over time do you get wisdom and sophistication so in a way it's uh you can think of it as an entity to come it's the future promise of this perfect world or this perfect female or whatever perfect mother all these different things ways of looking at it but it was also at the beginning it was the idea of perfection that was set forth and it was a goal it is so a lot of people ask they want to they want to know what this world is about right and when i try to steer people through that thinking is asking questions to kind of frame out what it is and that will help you understand like you know give you a little bit of comfort in what's going on here right so you know question good questions always ask or or to keep in mind to frame it out for yourself is okay well what what goes on in nature like what is a very common thing that we're doing here right like everything has to go through a process right it, it always starts off with an idea and then something is implemented and then it, it goes through a chain of steps. And then at the final step, there's a filtration or, or perfecting or a finishing process, right? All things go through these things, right? So that's one thing to always keep in mind, right? It'll help you then probably understand, okay, then we must be, if that's what is typical and that's what things have to go through, or we must be going through something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Humanity itself is going through this process so so 
you know, you, you guys have heard of the Zoroastrian information, right? And some people, mm -hmm. you know, say that it's maybe placed in, you know, um, the early AD, you know, late BC, somewhere around that time period. And then some people say it's even older. It just didn't get written down. And, and there was reasons why uh, there's a big gap in placing where exactly the Zoroastrian information, uh, you know, started, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that believe that it's older, the reason they do is because they'll explain to you the history of what happened through the Middle East and all these areas that these empire models rose up, right? And then there's a lot of detail. I don't want to really get into it. We can get into this another time of what was happening. Uh, these empire models and these emperors and stuff and what they were doing and how they were stifling information and trying to, you know, wipe out uh, religions and stuff and, and the truth, right? And we mm -hmm. see that throughout. The empires are constantly doing that. They're going and taking over people, pulling them in, slaves and stuff like that, and then wiping out their culture and wiping out their information of, of what, uh, what they hold as these, these bigger truths of what this world is, right? Mm -hmm. And this is where I believe that a lot of things had to go underground and had to be just only put into symbols that were very hard to unlock, right? This is where this tradition was started. And the Zoroastrian, if you believe that, that, it is this old or whatever it goes back into like you know where we believe the hindus and all their culture and everything comes from. some of these cultures have kept a lot of the information because they guarded it really well and they hid it in in symbols and stone and stuff like that and they also weren't uh penetrable by uh these empires like they tried to go down there and they couldn't they couldn't get them and keep completely wipe out their information and then they finally got in there, like the English Empire finally got into like southern India, not until just more recently. And by then they'd already hidden stuff pretty well. And so we are left with fragments to kind of piece a lot of this together. So this isn't complete bullshit. People have really done their research. We have a lot, lot better communication nowadays. And a lot of things are hidden in these temples. People mm -hmm. are going out and refining a lot of this stuff. But Zoroaster you know supposedly if you believe this and that we really have the the information was speaking about this character the sophia as like the divine mother it's actually the beginning itself sophia was the wisdom was the word was the idea right the word is actually just an idea right it's it's a logos and a logo holds many words like a picture you know, some sort of idea and a logo and everything holds many words. I mean, it could be thousands and thousands and thousands of words and every different language can have different words to explain what that is. And if you unpack it, you get the idea, right? And so mm -hmm. Sophia is essentially this idea of perfection of the whole reason why uh, a God that created us all, the creator of everything, would even want to have a creation, would even want to have a physical existence because the other side of having a physical existence is that you have to have a duality. You have to have <clears throat> death, destruction, uh, chaos, all the uh, opposing things, because if not, then it would all just be a sterile white room or right. complete darkness. You see what I'm saying? So do you have to, you have to have the opposing features of everything. So there's a, if there's an ultimate good, a really high good, then there has to be an opposing thing. That's really bad. And the thing about things that are really bad is that 
it 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 holds certain archetypical features to it uh, that are like dominating, right? Ruthless, mm-hmm. non-stopping, won't rest. You know, uh, very violent. <laughs> all these different, exactly. And so, but the opposing thing, this this you know, good side and everything has things that like love, empathy, fairness, balance, all this stuff. So it it would only start to win out once it's refined through the process and at the end once it learns from all the the things that the negative side is doing right so it had to create uh in essence um a thing that's dualistic a world and break itself up into a dualistic thing so the ultimate god you know you can reason is something that is all of those things it's both of them kind of like what i was sharing about like this jesus character or this thing that shows up it's going to be all the bad things and it's going to be all the good things and the reason that it does all these things to us is because we're all it and there is really no death it's trying to get an outcome it's trying to get sophisticated at the end so you can see that we'd have to go through a process in the middle that it would be all about progress it would all it'd be all about re- getting things to be more and more able to get more and more refined as we go until it gets to a certain point, a technological advancement at a certain uh, type that it needs. And then that's when good would start winning back the, the war against it. That's when good can start using those things and those techniques and start reversing things, going back to tribalism, going back to community, going back to family and all this, and then being able to use the technology to benefit. It would never try to kill itself completely, but it will, it, you're going through a test. What this world is, is a test and you have to be tested and you have to, you have to get rewards and you have to get punishments no matter what. And you have to die. You can't just keep living. You have to get to a certain point and end because that wouldn't be its ultimate goal is to have a never ending life but it would want to try to expand that life and it would want to try to perfect the harmonization between all things eventually so that it can have experiences in every single one of those things in the most equal and balanced way. And so we have to understand it from that framework, I believe. I really like a lot of what you're saying here. And it's, it's interesting too about this idea of expanding life because, of course, we have a lot of uh, reason to distrust or flat out, you know, not like it at all about this whole transhumanist idea and expanding life and searching for eternal life and stuff like that. We can see the hubris in it. We can see the ego in it. But at the same time, I've read some pretty fantastic science fiction novels that envision like, you know, that do really strong world building and envision <laughs> a future like that where people... Uh, end up choosing to die uh, because they've lived so long. It, it just flips the narrative a little bit, you know, not to say I'm for it or against it or, you know, it's all kind of a mystery. And and I think it's interesting because no matter how much you live in this plane, you're never going to come to some ultimate realization, but you're going to suss out more and more and more definition as time goes on. I guess you could say, yeah. and I'm, this may yeah. lead to a kind of like a question for you. Do you think that this, this source or God or whatever, I don't know, it almost feels like in a way that it's an alchemical process 
that something is trying to be brought into physical material reality so that it can be observed and reflected upon because outside of time and space there is no reflection and there is no observation there is stillness and that's why we search for that in meditation that non-thinking that non-existence we're trying to get back to that source does that make any sense yeah yeah, so what? just think about it this way. When they come into existence, right, something, if it was to explode and create the universe or whatever, right, the Big Bang, mm-hmm. right, to come yeah. into the existence, it would have to split itself into all, all things like a cross, right? It would have to go left, right, up, and down, right? Right. And, 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 and then so pieces of it, right, the original thing that blew up, right, whatever, that's just a way of, of framing it to look at it, right? the things that went down were had to sacrifice, right? They had to go downwards into what we would consider when we start talking about what down is and everything. It's like underworld, right. it's darkness, it's upside down, it's negativity, all this stuff, right? There's all these yeah. words to try to explain what it is. Lower vibration. So that part, yeah, that part of the all, God, whatever you want to call it, the goddess, whatever, that's a part of itself that now had to sacrifice in essence right for the other part to go up right to go mm-hmm. upward the ladder into heaven or whatever you know the ideal you know place or whatever so if you think about it like this <clears throat> those things that fell these angels in the bible and all this stuff and you know had to become you know demons or whatever and go into the underworld and all this stuff they're they're being toward they're they're being they had to become the enemy, right? The things that we don't like in this world, the humans and all that stuff, they have to be the enemy. They have to be the bad guy and all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. They're doing that. You actually learn lessons. Like we couldn't be without them, right? Right. And and we learn lessons from the interactions that they do, these things that are pushing progress, that are uh, dominating, that are uh, aggressive or, you know, danger, all these things like, the ultimate God doesn't really want to to be that, but it has to, right. We're all playing characters in this game and in this, in this situation that's testing itself to get the ultimate outcome. Right. Mm. Those pieces of us all, because we're all God are, are, there you have to live in that existence of being the enemy of being the failed ones of being the fallen or whatever you know what i mean Mm. so think of it all in all the way instead of me just saying it in a bunch of different ways whatever way you guys want to think about how what that is to be there one you yeah you brought up a good point when it comes to Cause for some reason, like this is just making me think of like Carl Jung for like whatever. And it, I don't know. It's cause I'm in the middle of reading Aeon by Carl Jung. And he talks about, well, there goes giant about finding, you know, the, the, your true inner self. And it's kind of making me think of like the Holy guardian angel and like all this weird shit that, that all these occultists were into. Right. And, yeah. and identifying with whatever that is. And then you brought up the idea of, is there something potentially trying to manifest itself into our reality through the i call these texts because we're talking about ancient texts ancient religions and all these things i call them interdimensional texts they're texts that 
as soon as they were on Earth, they had a cosmic change in the universe, some which way or another. Right. They've affected people's paradigms. They've shaped entire nations. There have been wars fought over these texts and what they say, these words that were solidified. I had an occultist one time tell me it's the process of writing it down that solidifies it. Right. Oh. It, it, it as it's written down, something magical happens. And I brought this book up because it's the book that I mentioned earlier. It's called Maps of the Imagination, the writer as cartographer. And Maps of the Imagination takes us on a magic carpet ride over terrain, both familiar and exotic, using the map as metaphor. Fiction writer Peter Turchi considers writing as a combination of exploration and presentation, all while serving as an erudite erudite and charming guide. He compares the way a writer leads a reader through the imaginary world of a story, novel, or poem to the way a map maker charts the physical world. To ask for a map, says Turchi, is to say, tell me a story. So he, mm -hmm. he pretty much paints how when we're reading these stories, we're making this world that's real in our imagination. What was what I was alluding to earlier, but it's not. But it's being done because of these words that we're reading similarly to religion or anything else. It's a story that we identify with because it maybe perhaps speaks to our ancestral roots mm -hmm. and we identify with that in some which way or another right and it kind of yeah. morphs into it's like looking at clouds it morphs into whatever you want it to be yeah it's like atlantis you know this this central concept of a time where we had it all right and it was destroyed from the inside out basically the the overwhelming uh story you know, tale is that, you know, it was our own hubris or something. Yeah. And that man, it's like, you see that in Atlantis and it's like, well, shit, that's, that's a fractal of a much larger metaphor. You know, that happens. That's in everything mm -hmm. that tale, our own hubris. That's what this physical experience is kind of partially about. It seems that's our hubris or living with living through what hubris looks like or something. But back to the idea of bringing something in just to solidify it a little bit. I can't remember what ancient text it was, like what culture it was, but I was reading it recently talking about this ancient concept of the bored God, this boredom, this all encompassing boredom. And it's kind of similar to what like Alan Watts gets into, where you know you dream whatever dream you want and mm -hmm. you know this one you finally got so sick of knowing what the outcome was you know give me a dream where i don't know i'm dreaming right mm -hmm. this bored god idea and i wonder if because we're all one and it's all god what if the, i mean it's hard to suggest that there's a singular consciousness that represents that but maybe there is as an archetype right and if that archetype is alone forever mm. would he not want to try to manifest his endless dreams into a reality and that's some mytho that's some mythologies that we are a dream in a a god's dream you have right hp lovecraft talks about i think it's yog sagoth or shognagaroth where we're like this entity's dream and when he wakes up reality ceases to exist <laughs> yeah and he actually framed that as like a size thing if i remember correctly because of the 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 mammoth size of these things that this the idea of you you said it perfectly i can't pronounce it but 
it was so massive that it like encompassed part of like the physical side of reality. It's nuts. That's the story of Vishnu also, right? Right, right. Vishnu, I mean, they represent it as like something that many would take and just run with as like some sort of multi armed monster, right? But it's it's a representative of chaos and and all encompassing yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm yeah, pulling like, him uh, up. Vishnu is is sleeping and dreaming us and then when he wakes up that's an you know, he goes back to the world that, you know, is beyond ours and then he goes back to sleep. He goes through these like breaths or these patterns of sleeping and waking and we're mm. in his dream, right? And then Brahma is his dream. What he dreamt first was Brahma and Brahma had to create everything from nothing. And the first things that he created were all these chaotic beings, right? And then from then, their children and all this stuff, you start getting this, this uh, you know, downward pyramid of gods that come off of that. That's why there's so many gods in the Hindu pantheon is because they're all these different creations that Brahma had to start off with and then work his way down to basically us and all the animals and everything in this whole world is all created mm. from Brahma being the representation of Vishnu in the dream or whatever, the first representation of existence within the dream. It was all this just a, a ditti. This is very similar to that concept of like all of reality simply being a small baby playing with different colored spheres. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very closely yeah. related to that. How it's just like, Yeah. Yeah, everything's yeah. fractal yeah. of yeah. some yeah. original primary form. Exactly, yeah. and as you go go higher, you start seeing these archetypes are more pure to what it is that they are, and then you see their children. They're the mix between those two archetypes, or you know, platonic solids, or what you know. You can you can look at it whatever way as a geometric shape or whatever, but it holds mm -hmm. certain qualities. Just like certain crystals hold different qualities and stuff like that. Like, you know, if you if you mix two different type of uh, geology near each other, then you, you get a different crystal that's maybe a little bit of the qualities of this crystal and a little bit of the qualities of that crystal. And then it has its own qualities because it's the mix of the two, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's all just different ways of explaining the same thing. This area of the conversation is a great example of like how to kind of explain what I'm talking about when I say that they've kind of killed two birds with one stone when it comes to history and no, you said stone get two get birds two birds stoned. get two birds stoned at once yes yeah, yeah. um because <laughs> these archetypes that we're talking about all this all of this language exists and this is we're talking about these deep thoughts about consciousness and this isn't just my stuff this is your stuff and this this is this these are feelings and experiences that we've that many 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 people have come together and kind of mapped out as we've been talking about you know that like we've been the cartographers of that hidden realm i guess you could say but you find a lot of these characteristics of course written on top of a lot of these fictional characters in folklore and mythology and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's a way to 
kind of obscure history while, you know, like they couldn't erase all of history. It was already there. They had to just kind of enhance it in the way they wanted to. So by using these archetypes, they kind of glob that on to these historical narratives or these historical unavoidable histories that were real, but they just twist them in that way and add these archetypes onto them. I don't know if that makes any sense, but what if there's a dude, lot to it. I'm going to put out the idea that what if, cause I also think about this too. I'm going to be devil's advocate. I'm trying to figure out where to put my mic. I'm getting annoyed with this. The idea of what if the what if the ancients were just trolling the shit out of us the entire time, and none <laughs> of this of ever existed. Energy. You know what I'm saying? Like they, how you're saying the bored god? Well, like, give me something to look at. Well, what if these dudes were bored? They were sitting around looking at the stars and they're like, man, that kind of looks like a dude up there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's his belt. Oh, that's who Orion. You like that name? I like that name too. Orion's belt. All right, and what's he doing? Oh, he's at the Draco constellation. Okay, you got the there's some major and minor. What is that? Little Dipper, Big Dipper, the little well, bear and big bear. I yeah. wish my, Manly my, P. Hall my, was my, here. my argument. <laughs> sorry, my argument against that would be like there there was a video that I sent Andy where Jordan Peterson was talking with I forget who, another professor about psychology. And what they were talking about is the the way that you can actually understand something on your own and know for sure that it, it pans out is, is that you use different uh, schools of thought to cross-examine it, yes. right? And so, so the, the reason why I, I can't believe in, in that it's just something that's made up and everything is because there's too many cross ways of looking at the same idea yeah. and you see why it is different that, cultures that they, they believe different nations yeah, yeah there's different cultures there's different like and that's why i always like you know try to get people to think about things like okay well how does all these processes work like what's going on in our life why do we do this why is where where do we come from you know what are things that we do that way you you know that there is a, a certain uh micro and macro uh, thing that's always being done the same way and mm-hmm. then you just see the different forms of it right you see it in different ways depending on what it's subject we're talking about but you know if it does these things in this sequence if it follows nature you, some things in nature you, you just it just is what it is like you can't make up plumbing right it either works or it doesn't if it leaks you didn't do it right you see what i'm saying like you can't make up certain things they just are like if you light right. a fire you lit it Right. No one can trick you on those. You're either gay or you're not gay in this world. It's no in between. It's up to you to tell the person whether you did it. You you started the fire with magic or you did it the way, you know, with you rub two sticks together. You know, it's the intent behind it. It's it is what it is. It's just how you rub in two sticks. It's definitely gay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this is this cross cross reference thing. Like my favorite is the unwitting cross references where like, for instance, I'll talk to these, these Finnish and these Scandinavian guys, uh, these older gentlemen about box saga. And I bring up the, I, the cross references to all the ancient alien stuff. And they are like ab- ab- aberrant to it. They hate it. They don't like, they don't want it. Like, this is a story about humanity we don't want i don't i don't we've never looked into that stuff that's that's inconsequential that's that's fantasy stuff that's as far as these older gentlemen go the funny part is is the box saga absolutely it's as if it was a teenager writing an ancient alien fantasy novel <laughs> but it was about humans instead of aliens it's unwittingly fitting 
perfectly. It's so nice. That's yeah, kind of what I it's like. Embed, it's they're embed, really it's embedded. Yeah, it's embedded with the truth. And that's right. why, you know, a lot of things can ring true, whether they're actually, right, the actual truth of, the, of something that really happened to someone, or they're just using the truth, and then they're making a story just like Shakespeare, you know, which wasn't really Shakespeare, but they're, they're telling these stories, and the reason that we key into those stories is because there's a truth behind the story itself. The story is what we have to go through, the, the whole purpose of humanity, and it's just broken down into some sort of smaller stories, some microcosm, whatever. So as long as you have all the elements and they're laid out correctly, it's going to ring true. And it doesn't totally matter if that actually happened or not. The fact is, is that that is something that is always happening in nature and is going to happen yes. to us. And the bigger picture of what it is that humanity is doing is that story. You're going to play that out. You're going to play one of those roles, but humanity itself is going through the larger part of that story. That's what our history timeline is. And so all these characters that come in and say lies and do certain things and everything, they're playing a certain role. And then we can, you know, the more that you, you, uh, you know, frame it in the right way and have the mapped out view of what this world is, then you can see these characters and people like you guys and, and myself and others out there that are looking for the truth. That's why we're, we're, we're interested in it and we're finding it we're going to have a better time understanding how to navigate but the mm -hmm. rest of the people that aren't and they're not interested they're not going to be able to navigate what's going on like people this keep is... on out like why is this happening to the world and everything and it's like right. this is at, at this is near the end of the story this is where the filtration process happens this is revelations this is where the wheat gets separated from the chaff and people are going to die during this period. And probably a lot of people are going to die during this period. So if you understand that and you can expect it, then you will set yourself up to make sure that you're ready for what is coming. It's right. getting painfully obvious for people to not be aware that there's, you get, it's just going to keep ramping up. You're going to get tested harder and harder and harder to see how pure you are because what it's trying to get is trying to get perfect diamonds and people that are willing to do the right thing with each other to make the right balance because that's what it wants. It wants balance. It wants a utopia, but utopia is not what people think. Utopia exact. isn't, uh, it's not all just perfectly good as far as what we think everything good. It's not, it's not a God. We're not dealing with a God that cares about you individually to the point that it's going to forgive all your sins and do all this stuff. We're dealing with a God that wants you to be the best you so that you can be that best you for everybody else and everybody else do the same thing. And if you, and if you're not doing that, it's gonna punish you. That's just right. what it is, right? It's Santa Claus. It's, it's seeing whether you're naughty or nice and it's going to put all these tricks and these traps. And if you don't understand that you're walking through a minefield and that this is a test and that you're going to get tricked and trapped, then you don't know what you're dealing with. Right. And you have this fantasy view of what the utopia is or what God is and all this stuff. And you're actually just hurting yourself and you're going to set yourself up for failure. you got to see it as a test. you got to see it that you're being tested on everything, your moral character, everything. And it's a physical test. It's seeing if you're going to be able to pass your genes on in this world and have your physical representation. You're just representing the physicality. That's why you choose in a lot of ways, like these trans and these you know, gay people and all that, they're choosing to actually kill off their genetics, right? It's, it's a suicide of their genetics. That's what's happening here. 
anybody that takes dangerous steps and does things and doesn't care about themselves or their body and others and all that stuff, they're going to get weeded out physically out mm. of this world, right? They're not going to have representation of their genetics anymore. That's just the facts of what, what's going on. So <clears throat> if you want and if you believe in yourself and if you believe in your genetics, you will try to have offspring and you will do your best to make sure that your offspring have the best chance of continuing that offspring. And as far as you can project out, right, you would try seven generations. You would try a thousand generations if you could, but you would try to your hardest to set that up because that's a big piece of what this world is, is to be able to project out your creation, your part mm -hmm. of the creation and your piece in it. Right. Now it's interesting too, that, that this, it almost, your argument kind of feels like a necessity, right? And I wonder how you feel about like a lot of near death experience and, um, you know, maybe even a little bit of Buddhist philosophy too, that kind of suggests that, or even, you know, the way Alan Watts puts it is that, you know, there is nothing to do. Is this a, uh, a trap in itself? Is this a, is a, a gatekeeper, a controlled op situation it's where they want us to think that? Because it, really, Alan Watts' belief is that there is nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. You're already it. You're already all of it. Realize you are that. the life. You don't right. need to. You are everything. To, yeah. You are the process. Yeah. So like, and then you hear they have all the near-death experiencers, which I, I love because it kind of puts all the mystical thinking that we have still within this dualistic realm. And we can only we're only jerking off thinking that it has anything to do with the afterlife, quote unquote, <laughs> um, because they all just say, no, you just wake up and say, well, what about all this training that I had to do with the esoteric groups? And I had to make sure I was doing all this and I had to No, it doesn't matter what kind of person you are. Blah, 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 like you just wake up. It was like and I don't know how. I don't know how to reconcile that shit, you know? You wake up and you're a grasshopper on the other yeah, side? No, you're just like that. on a... <laughs> they don't even allude to that. You're yeah, on like a plant? More, it's just more of you, right? It's just a fractal. <laughs> like, it's more of the same shit. Like, you know, what does Sam say? Sam Tripoli says, like, this is your favorite incarnation, right? Why else would you be here or something like this? How, is how many conscious... Grasshoppers are there in the wild, though, Andy. Think about it. The what, fuck, what if what if it's no. reincarnation, though, and not you're picking your right? You're watching your parents fuck, and you're picking the the one that you like the most, or whatever. Oh, no, no, no. What if it's not that? What if you do? What if you like turn into a caterpillar one day? You you. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? maybe. I mean, I guess consciousness itself. Like, who's the you that's turning into the the caterpillar? Is exactly. it me? Is it Andy Rouse's next turnaround, or is it just consciousness that's flowing through this vessel right now that this part of the vessel wants to call Andy Rouse? Andy the alligator is next. Like, like you're that's just the like... problem. Are you, are you guys familiar with Zizek? I think that's the way no. he says his name. Slavoj Zizek. Oh. He's nuts, man. He's a Slovenian philosopher, and you know he goes into real. Um, you know, well, well spoken and well understood um, depth about the non-self and the 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 Buddhist philosophy and why Buddhism is even separate from Hinduism to begin with. It's this they rejected the self too. But you, Andy, real quick, you you see where when I hear other philosophies, it's always rooted in some other thought of some other people so how you said the buddhist sure. viewpoint so now as soon as I, I i listen to something like that and i'm not trying to discredit anybody i'm just saying it's always rooted in some group's interpretation of that 
philosophy or whatever it is. Like, well, they, they believe in this and sure. the body is da 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 and this and that. And then Christians believe like, no, 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 no. You can't think that. Right, satanic astrology is fake and gay, and all this stuff yeah, that's divination. Yeah, yeah. Christian, but Christianity is that materialization of what is not material. It's that it's that trying to Western religion is that nope. I'm, I've come back from the ineffable experience that I'm not supposed to be able to explain or describe in this material realm with language because it's beyond language. But I'm gonna I'm gonna use my ego and and I think I got most of it. That's reli- that's Western religion. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you they, can't they, yeah, they, bring it back. They were riding on the coattails of other Eastern mysticism. Right. So, and, yeah. yeah, and when we say, you're right, it's a perspective. Yes. But at the same time, it's like, you know, the, the, a lot of the Buddhist philosophy about the self it seems to line up. We were talking about mathematics. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the law of one yes. and everything. It flows with that. This disillusion of self is you know we get this glimpse of ego death but i think it's more of like a kind of like a premonition more than anything Mm -hmm. else where the individual fades away we i think we hold on to far too much and call it the true self and it's actually just the ego but that i don't know that's controversial yeah it's up for interpretation because i think about this all the time that we really truly don't know about any of this crazy stuff that we're talking about and it always seems that when you and i get together our conversations always go in this freaking <laughs> i'm trying to decipher what this reality is and we're like we're trying to just really... we're gonna get there man we're totally we're well, once i build this right dream machine once i build this dream machine i'm gonna i'm gonna do it bro yeah man i'm telling you live unboxing <laughs> i'm gonna send you an episode i did recently where because, you know, we're talking about the mind-body dualism, essentially. And, and Daddy Descartes was actually the one that really pushed that forward. And, and, and uh, the father of rationalism and all these different things. Yeah. And I came across this episode. It's not out yet. It'll be out in a couple of weeks. And the idea that Descartes had discovered this new science. That's what he was alluding to, this new science. And the idea that he was able to figure out how to separate the body from the soul through this snuff that he had in this little secret box. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm going to send you that episode. I did it. It was, an, a, it was a book from 1619, I believe. Early 1600 was published in 1694. So it was published so towards the end of the 17th century. Yeah. And... It was written by this enigmatic guy, bro, with two first names. There's like barely any information on him. He's like a hardcore Rene Descartes esotericist, but there's like no other information. He's like a Jesuit or something. And we went hard in the paint about this sto- this story of these experiences of them in. It was the first. This book is the first account of the use of outer space in the modern sense. This is the oh, book. Like so. Again, we go hard. I'm gonna send it to you because it's it's yeah, weird to think about what these guys were on. Cause I'm sure a lot of these guys, we don't really know the history and they're probably onto some next level stuff. You know what I yeah, mean? As the, as the child is closer to source than we are, I think the, you know, the further you go back in philosophical history, I think you get closer and closer to what's really going on. So I don't, I don't think we're ever going to really figure out what, 
what's really going not on? Not supposed to. Definitely not supposed to, but I think we can we can suss out the edge pieces enough of the pat, you know, and we can find the patterns well enough to kind of understand where we're at. Mm-hmm. But yeah, every time you think you figure it out, it slips away. And I think that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this has been friggin' awesome. We're yeah, almost almost at two hours. What were you gonna say, Giant? Kind of get kind of getting back into the, the Sophia thing. Um I wanted to um kind of talk about how uh this is connected to John D and who he was talking to. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um so there you know, Sophia if if you I sent you something, Andy, but there's, you know, a lot of people that have studied the the sacred feminine and all this stuff. Sophia mm-hmm. is Mother Mary. It's Athena. Has all these different names, just like the the masculine has all these different names, right? You know, yeah. it comes up as, as Jesus and all this stuff. So um, this, so Guadalupe is shown symbolically. She's She's got a, a spear, right? Like Athena, they carry the spear, right? These are weapons mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, they, they, the weapons themselves are all um, archetype sort of stuff. Am I, am I breaking up? Nope. No, you're good. Okay. All right. So she's holding this spear and, and, and she's stabbing. A lot of times they don't show the whole picture of Guadalupe painted out, but she's, she's stepping on a dragon and, and spearing it down. Right, she's spearing it down, holding this this dragon down, and so and it's also uh, related to Hecate, and you'll notice that a lot of these uh, female mythological stories and everything are, you know, Demeter and and Persephone, uh, all the all their cults and everything. They're always they go down into caves and they do psychedelics and stuff. So they're trying to interact with the world of the dead or the underworld, right? And astrology has a lot of this mapped out about the underworld. So whenever it's nighttime, this is the only time when you can see the stars. We have no proof of the stars and where any constellations are during the day at all. That's the day of the, of the or that's the time of the living and it's the uh, above world, right? That's heaven, right? At nighttime, you're in the underworld in astrology. Right. And you can see the stars. That's when you can see the Milky Way. And so the Mayans call that uh, Shabalba, right, the underworld. Right. And they and they also called underground. They would go underneath into these caves where the water was and everything down in these caves. That was Shabalba also, because it's the same thing going into these caves and going into the underworld and go. And at nighttime, when you're when you're looking up at the stars, especially where the Milky Way is, you got the underworld. And so if you look across what, what constellations that are going across the, the Milky Way, they're all of the gods that actually uh, were the guys that went to the underworld and either conquered something or brought something back or tried to bring the, usually this female character back with them, right? So Hermes does it, right? Um, Orion, which is Perseus and all this stuff, Hercules, all of them are across this Milky Way. Right. And the the North Pole and the polar stars. And so there's not just one polar star. Right. We're just at we're near one right now. So if you actually look and you did a time frame, uh, you know, rotation of all the stars, it's not it's not dead in the center. It's because we're off a little bit. We don't really line up with a pole star anymore. And if you look at the history of the pole stars, they change every 
uh, so many thousands of years because they're actually separated. And in the middle of where all those pole stars are, one of them, one of the, it was once the pole star was once Draco, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And it, and it makes a swastika in the air. If you, if you know, you follow a circle around, you know, 360, it makes a swastika, um, visually it looks like a swastika if you put it in all the different places as we turn right the they mark they mark these different pole stars over these different times and they put they've embedded some symbolically information in there because they're talking about this sacred feminine and this hero character which is her son it's her husband it's her father it's all the it's all the masculine forms right and she Mm -hmm. is his daughter his wife and his mother, right? They're just different. It just plays out in different. So all these myths are telling us the same thing. They've embedded into these myths what the story of humanity and what we're going through and what will, after we go through this mission and these cycles, what to expect at the ends of these cycles and stuff. You're going to find your hero character. That's why they say Jesus is coming back. This is going to be the hero with a thousand faces, that archetype, back to that archetype. Yes, and this is this is Buddha, and you guys heard about the Medicine Buddha and the story of the Medicine Buddha, and it's the Atreya Buddha and it's the older Buddha, and there's there's multiple Buddhas, thousands and billions and trillions of them throughout mm-hmm. the whole, all the different existences and galaxies and all this stuff, but we have one that was specifically made for us and the Earth and all this stuff, and he has these conversations with all the the characters, the creatures of the Earth, humans and all the gods and all these deep devils and all this stuff the devas and all this stuff and reptile you know the nagas and all that and he explains them he says look you guys are all each other's medicine you're the you're the antidotes to each other right so everything in this world has a problem and it has something that can fix it no matter what there's always a equal and opposite reaction and that's what he was explaining and he and he so he's explaining the same thing about sophistication that over time he says, I will come back. Once you guys interact with each other, you war, you fight, you work things out, all this stuff, you're, you're coming up with solutions. You're making the antidote. And I got this medicine bowl that you guys are all in it, and I'm mixing you up, and that's what's happening. This is us getting mixed up, this whole streamline of, of history, all of humanity, everything the earth has been through. And I'll come back once you guys mix it up enough and I'll have the, the ultimate antidote for everything. And then you get sophistication. Then you have the philosopher's stone. Then you have the, the, the ultimate alchemical mixture, right? So I'm going to come at the end. You have to go through the process. I'm going to come at the end. And I'm going to come with a solution. But the solution was made by you, right? This is what Sophia says. This is what the Zoroastrians explain. And they keep this fire burning, right? They say, we've got to keep it burning. We've got to keep passing on the flame, keep passing on the information, even if we have to do it symbolically. We know we're going to go through a period where it's going to be a bunch of domination is going to win over the day and is going to control everything and try to keep all that quiet and snuff it out. So we have to hide it in symbols and do all this stuff, but make sure to pass it down, right? And in the end, I'm going to come back and I'm going to fix things. Things are going to get fixed. But the, the, the only reason I can fix it is because you guys are all different pieces of me interacting and making the solution. And I'm just going to come as a, you know, archetype or whatever, however you want to imagine it. It could be real, could not be something physical or whatever. But the solution, the answer is in the end. The medicine bowl will at least be there at the very end. Right. And 
So when you look at the symbology of this character that is either like holding these demons down or keeping them down and everything, there's usually a, a masculine and feminine form doing it, but mostly it's it's uh, used a, uh, uses a feminine form because it wants to inspire the masculine to go and save this, you know, uh, female because just the love to save the female. You see what I'm saying? But it really nothing's feminine or masculine or anything. We're just divided into these things, and the original God or the thing that is all isn't of any sex or anything like that. So. It, it could be looked at different ways, and that's why it's always symbolized. And this is where a lot of confusion can be in looking at all the symbology and everything and people coming up with all these interpretations and all that stuff is because we're, we're keying in on too much of the detail rather than seeing the bigger picture of what it is right. that it's trying to explain, right? right? And so when you're looking at the – most likely what we're looking at when we're looking at the North Pole and looking at the polar stars is we're looking at – probably a center point like it, it can almost be explained as as uh vishnu's belly button and where brahma came out of the lotus and it spins out and it has this this uh you know um you know flowering it flowers out from there and then brahma created and the reason i say that is because if you look at the nakshatras these are the uh vedic uh lunar mansions there there's a secret nakshatra that only happens every once in a while. There's a secret nakshatra in it, and it has a bunch of stars that are, it's right next to the pole stars, right? It's all within the pole stars. Is called a bijit, and that is the nakshatra of Brahma. It's the only one, it's a secret one, and it sits there. And Brahma and all the symbology behind Brahma and all the stuff is all it, it, the same like story when you look at it. It's all symbolically Santa Claus. It's the same thing. He, he kind of created us where the kid, we're the children of it and stuff like that. And it wants to give us rewards and punishments depending on what we do. Right. Hmm. And um, so, so these characters that they show within these mythologies and, and that they put on the constellations and all that stuff are um, associated with the hero uh, child of hers and stuff like that or whatever. And he's tasked with, being able once it comes to a certain part time in history he's able to go and navigate the underworld and save her and bring her back up from her needing to hold down the negativity and stuff like that in the underworld essentially like she has to play her part and go down into this underworld and come back up and we can get it you will probably you know we'll do another show and everything we'll get into a lot of the details of why it is that I, I say it like that and that's what you know is most likely happening so let's just say that's happening and there's and there's this entity this female entity or at least it's going to represent itself as a female entity even though it's a warrior right athena because she has to be strong enough to be able to take the persistent um you know world that she has to live in where she's dealing with things that are very aggressive and dominant and, all, and she has to, and she can control it Right. And she can keep it down because it is her children. So you can think of her as the earth itself and it's giving and it's keeping us. It wants its creation. It's, you know, to be fertile and live and, and get to a certain point where it can save her. And she's under the ground. Right. This is all just this is all symbolic and everything when I'm mm. speaking like this. Right. 
So she is, just think of her as lost in this underworld and she needs us to save her. And so she's reaching out from the underworld when people learn how to reach into Princess Peach, right? the underworld, people like John D and stuff. Mario goes okay. into the underworld to rescue Princess, is it Princess Peach? Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah. And she's, he's he's taking using, it from, it's, it's, from the Demiurge, yeah. essentially. He's Bowser, which is probably yeah. significant. A dragon. Yeah, a yes. dragon. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So there's this dragon that's being held. So that's why it's, yeah, it'll, it'll keep coming up in all these different stories and themes and everything because there's a truth behind mm-hmm. the overall story of that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so she, so she's ho- holding the, these, uh, you know, the, the lost ones or whatever in this underworld and waiting because what Buddhism believes, if you look at a lot of the details and everything, is and they and they do this at their temples and stuff, and they usually put them over uh, like dragon ley lines and stuff like that, is that they believe that there's sentient beings that are lost and they're put into these into these uh, um, uh, different hells, right? And they need to go through a process of feeling what it felt like because of the mistakes and all this stuff. Mm. So there's all this learning process that's going, and they want to free these sentient beings. Right. The Buddhas want to free it. And this is the Buddhists follow this. And they so they they use like bells and stuff and they ring them downwards under the earth and they gyrate it. And so they're they're helping loosen up some of the ones that are allowed to kind of go a little bit higher. Probably you can think and and they get loosened. And when they do, they're they're etherical or, you know, they're not they're not physical. They're spirits. And so they have these prayer flags and then the wind blows them across those prayer flags and those prayer flags are set up in a, in a very specific way, the way the wording is and all this stuff and the symbols where it cleanses them. And now they've been released. You see what I'm saying? But constantly humans are making and animals or whatever, you know, creation itself is making so many mistakes that we keep going down into the underworld. So it keeps filling up. And so ones that have learned lessons over however many millions or billions of years or whatever that existence has been going on, some of those older ones have gone through the process enough and learned their lessons that they're allowed to be released. They've gotten a little bit higher. That's why they ring these bells. They have a duty to ring these bells and release some of them and cleanse them, right? And so eventually we need to get to a place where we understand all this and we can, we can get technology to do it faster and better and, and get them through the process, most likely. Something like that. You see what I'm saying? There's, there's a process. And, and she, she is tasked with trying to help us get through the process faster because it's probably torturous being there, right? This feminine entity. And so she was reaching out to ones that had figured out enough of the technology, at least for back then, like wizards and stuff like that. And it was talking to them and, and spurring them on to move towards certain geographical areas like the united states and specifically all the way into california and to create the the hollywood and to create the tech industry and all this stuff so they can because <laughs> what shakespeare did was was educated everybody to a point that they could start working together and building faster towards it right mm-hmm. so she wants to move along progress to a point so that we can get to the end as fast as possible because she's having to deal with the pressure of us and what what we would do and what she's getting pressured from both sides in essence Mm. in a way right of thinking about it right so that's Mm. what's happening is we're getting pushed through 
this progression and she's reaching out and talking to psychics and stuff like that and trying to get them going and moving on things and giving them certain powers. And even Vishnu talks about this with Shiva in the epics. He, he, Shiva gets mad because Shiva is actually a vegetarian and Shiva uh, is a protector of animals, right? <clears throat> Not a negative thing like people think it is. So he gets mad because they're sacrificed. These, these, uh, these, gurus start sacrificing these animals at the temples killing them and then they're bringing them back alive right bringing them back from the dead and stuff and and she shiva tells him he says no you're you're not even allowed to do that don't ever do that in my presence you can't kill them and bring them back i don't care if you bring them back to life you're getting people used to being okay with killing animals you're not supposed to kill them the only sacrificing you're allowed to do is you have to sacrifice them to a temple where you give them as worker animals to the temple where they can use the milk and stuff like that because the temples need help just keeping up this history and this information so it gets passed on through time and then vishnu tells shiva he says listen it's okay i understand why you're mad and everything like that but you got to understand that i made everything in this world to be what it is so they are even allowed to be what they are because their job and their duty is to cause pressure and to trick people and to dominate them and to kill things and do all this magic and stuff like that because it's the other end of the story it's the other half of the story that's going to push us towards the solution in the end Mm -hmm. and if you don't have and this is why vishnu also said to arjun look you're going to have to arjun wanted to quit fighting with his fellow brothers and stuff like that they're on this huge war and everything and everybody's getting killed and he's just going through this like terrible you know uh night of the dark soul and he and he's like about to give up and vishnu said no you have to do your duty get up keep fighting because it's not about you in this place and now it's about what is going to come out of this you have to learn that you would never want to do this again that's why you're going through this you have to learn that you would never should have started this you know what i mean you can't give up now you gotta go to the end this is really interesting. Just before I forget, I've been on this thread, this idea that there's an old way and a new way. And this new way we could summarize as you've kind of talked about Sophia, this progress, right? Moving towards something. And in the conclusion, you're kind of suggesting that the idea, and this does kind of align with a lot of the conspiracies that we think about when it comes to the elites, they want it over with or they want this done. They don't want to have to do this ever again. Meanwhile, this yeah. old way, and we could talk about like pagan societies and, and the, the primordial way that humans seem to be in line with nature on the planet is in stark contradiction to that whole movement. Not to say it's better or worse or right or wrong. It's in stark contradiction because as nature flows in cycles so too did these kind of cultures and they made sure to mimic themselves after natural cycles. And this is where we get a lot of the, I mean, personally, I think that's where we get the idea of using uh, sacred geometry within everything. It's because that's mimicking of the natural order of things. Right. So we have this idea that everything is ordered the way it is. And if these cultures, you know, I'm personally, I'm talking about like box saga describes these ancient cultures as, you know, very orderly, overpopulation never becomes a problem because of everything, the way it's all set up in its own category. 
everything's perfectly ordered within nature. The idea almost of revolution to break away from this order, from this static state, it seems, is this progression. Does that track? Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like some of it was breaking up, but I think I, in general, get what yeah what you were saying is that there there is a portion of humanity, and in places when we're far enough away from these empires and stuff, and we're more into our natural tribal or uh, spiritual systems, uh, it is a different um, way of living. That they're not trying to progress or anything like that. They're just trying to be at harmony with nature. And the re- yes, absolutely. We had to keep that portion that had that was a, a very important part of who we are. And we because we needed it uh, to be able to be carried through, at least in some of the memories and stuff and some of our information, because mm-hmm. this time now, the good has to go back to that and use all the benefits of what we got from the progress, the progress and the bad was is not the end result. It was never supposed to win. It's never going to win. That's one good thing right, that people right. can look at if they really understand it. It was it's not supposed to be. It's just it, it's just think it out and we'll talk about this more in other episodes or whatever. <laughs> it, was, it will never win. It can't. It's not the whole purpose. It's obvious it's not the purpose. The purpose It doesn't is even it doesn't seem like to, sorry to interject to it get doesn't to seem a like more utopian. It's sorry it doesn't seem like either one is meant to win because it's almost like I brought this up before on the show and tell me if this tracks at all where it's like the idea of it's a it's a story that's repeated constantly in Hollywood and stories we know of the 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 young the son say breaking away from the family and the old tradition and going out on his own mm-hmm. into the world right <laughs> and uh, failing for the most part in what he sets out his ego thinks he's going to be able to do right the the usually the story arcs to him returning home meanwhile you know the son being away from the family has broken the family and the father say that's where the conflict is father and son the father has gone through a transformation of his own usually probably through advice from the mother the son returns home no longer is the old way acceptable but no longer is the the hedonistic uh, uh, randomness of this new way that this son set out to do with no experience and sophistication underneath his belt right Mm. so the two have to synergize into a third thing and this is very alchemical wouldn't you say oh no much did i lose you guys no you got you got me i i'm i'm with you it's the typical how you're saying i think it's real life alchemical process that we're going through yeah the transmutation 100 percent. yeah but it's it's yeah yeah. it's eerily similar in my back no, you're good. You're good. The the idea of this this thing on the other side, and I've never really heard of it being feminine like that, right? Because it's making me think of like the Bledsoe's and like his dad's visions of the lady or something or other, where it's like this feminine angel type of thing. And I don't know. It's just really. We'll have to ask his CIA friends. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But you've heard so, of the Bledsoe's, right? So I, I, I yeah. miss. Go ahead, John. I, I missed a little bit of what you were say, saying, Andy. I'm, I'm sorry. It was, you were talking about uh, the the child, uh, the third the third part where they're they're supposed to mesh together to make the child that has that balance, right? Between it, like right. Not, even, not even just uh, the child, but like the whole, like the whole family. I see it in Disney movies a lot. Like Encanto is a good example where it's like <laughs> this, you know, new way versus old way. Neither of them work. So like a synergy has to occur yeah. where this third thing takes mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. 
you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a mix. That's We'll come to a balance, right? It's not right. going to be either. And that's really what it wants. That is the utopia. That's what I try to say is like yes. a lot of people think of the utopia as just one side. The utopia is the balance. between. It's called Arcadia, right? And what do, what do we have in an arcade? You have multiple games. You have multiple. When you talk about an arcade, it means many different things all together in one. Right. Mm. So that's what it, that's what the Arcadia, that's what the utopia is. They just don't want us to know this. They don't want us to know that there's a it's a perfect because there's a, a painting. It's in our Arcada ego. Right. And it always has a skull. And it, it's usually like uh, in a burial area or whatever, these, these pictures. And it's kind of like a desertified uh, um, hills and it's in Arcadia. But what it means is, is even in even in the perfect place in a utopia, there's going to be death. And that what else that means is that not only are you going to have to die in that perfect place, there you go, at Arcado Ego, but, but, and it, there's a lot of symbology in this. And like, you know, uh, a lot of the people that get into like, you know, national treasure stuff and all that stuff. This is a famous painting, both of them. Yeah. One, one, this one's the older one, the older version, but see the skull. That's what, mm -hmm. it, what he's trying to symbolically say is that the utopia is not going to be a place where you never die. It, yeah. it just, it's just a place that is, uh, it's balanced. It's perfectly balanced. And so you're going to have a little bit of bad and a little bit of good, just like we do now, but it's going to be more balanced. It's going to be a place where we, can, we, we actually do care about each other. We, we try to make it so that every uh, existence of God that's within us all, I believe, has the opportunities to experience this world as long and as and, and as harmonically and balanced and in such a loving place that we can right you can yes. you can perfect things and make them perfectly balanced but it doesn't mean that you know you're never going to have to shit you're never going to eat you don't have to have <laughs> sex because you're not going to make anymore because you live forever right you start xing out things that even make sense in this world once you start thinking like that and so that's something I have to explain to a lot of people a lot of times when I use the word utopia and all that stuff. It doesn't mean what these people think where they're just going to get free stuff all the time. You have to right. work in this utopia, but you're going to love it. You got to learn that life is work, right? You got to mm -hmm. enjoy all the things that this world has to offer and understand them in a more dynamic way and not complain about all these things because you, you just don't realize that if once you, you X these things out, you stop having the world at all, really. You know, right. I mean, it doesn't exist. Existence is a duality. You have to live in that duality, but we can make it way better than what it is now, you know, and that's going to take both sides. And this is also, th this speaks volumes about the agendas of religion and, and many other forms. It's, it's like, it's all talk, taking us away from this life because there's a better one out there. And now with uh, quantum physics and psychedelics and the new age all kind of coming together uh, with all the wrong bad actors involved in a lot of ways. It's yeah, it's, it's doing exactly that. It's kind of um, it's basically saying that we're like sci-fi superheroes from another dimension and we get to go play in those dimensions without yeah, they're, they're not telling us they're not showing that this is the play dimension. This is the reflecting dimension where we get to commune and talk and reflect and laugh and cry and do all that. And outside of this, I, I can't get around how people don't talk about, like they talk about dim other dimensions as if they're physical. 
mm-hmm. as if these other dimensions are yeah the interdimensional beings uh they wanted to come <laughs> through here why, why what, what's with all the ego in these other dimensions like this is really incongruent like enjoy this when you fuck a mess this whole all these inter- like, that's yeah. why I look at government disclosure is such a massive psyop and like probably the most central one of all because it's really rallying the most curious of all of us about consciousness with the ce5 movement with greer and all his friggin' drones i'm uh, done ranting about that but you get what i'm saying spirit yeah yeah I, I get pissed all the time at people that try to try to say that Oh, I want to ascend, and I want to. It's like you. I tell them all the time. I say you're not going nowhere. You know why I know you're not going nowhere? Because yeah, because I'm here, and I don't think you should go anywhere. And I'm I'm just as valid as you are. I'm not letting you go, dude. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah, man, that's not going to happen. Thing, We're all here like, together. We're all working yeah, it out. This shifting to other realities, and oh yeah, I mean you'll leave people, and that's why you just don't have those people in your life anymore. It's a great poetic expression, but when you're, when you got hundreds of thousands or a million followers, and you're pushing this to your to your listeners and and your your viewers on social media as if it's it's like a, it's like we're living in this friggin' sci-fi fantasy novel. It's I don't know if it's controlled opposition. It doesn't even have to be controlled opposition at this point. They feed us the idea and we run wild with it mm-hmm. because naturally our, our existence in this material realm kind of coaxes us towards personification no matter what we do, right? But that's, yeah. That was part of like the, yeah. the Greeks too back then. I mean, they were obsessed with demeaning this existence and talk always mm. talking about a more divine this is a reflection of a more divine and that's, that's where you get you turn the gnosticism and then christianity you know catholicism mm-hmm. and christianity and everybody else that followed through you create yeah so sorry guys no you could get excited yeah, about wicked excited plastic. about this this is my jam you know yeah. this is exactly what we see in all these marvel movies mm-hmm. they want people to believe that this is all that's this is what all that spiritual stuff was talking about man that's why the newly awakened are the most vulnerable, and that's who we're really talking to here, I think. We're not trying to convince the sleeping. We're trying to, like, hold on to the yeah. newly awakened before they float off into millions of directions. <laughs> if only they knew Rounded. we're just a, yeah. a cosmic bukkake of just nothingness, you know, <laughs> the universe. <laughs> There's the episode. <laughs> cosmic bukkake. That's all it is. Part one, right? I, yeah, this going to have to continue. <laughs> This was a we're, great we're conversation. We're sandwiched by, by the two sides, right? Yeah. Like the Christians are, are trying to convince people that, you know, you're working to, to go to heaven and all this stuff. And, and it, it, there's, there's a ton of Christians that actually will, will tell you that that's, that's not true. There is never any promise anywhere in the Old Testament or the New Testament that we're going to heaven. Oof. The only thing that, that Jesus ever says, and this is, the, this is the good word that he was saying, he says, that heaven will be coming to earth and that Oof. it's here it, already. It's just that we're not living in it, right? We're not, right. we're not doing the right thing to deserve it, but everything is actually here. All the tools are at hand. And, and then they keep asking him his apostles, right? And he's always angry at his apostles all the time. Like, why don't you guys understand this? They keep asking, like, when is this heaven? And, and what did, and, and what did he say? He said, he said the, 
He said the the generation of the millennium, the millennial generation. You can look it up in Christian, say Christian millennial generation, right? Why is it that we're called the millennials, right? Why are we at the millennium, right? And this is where everybody says, hey, this is the end of the world. This is Revelations. This is uh, Age of Aquarius. This is all this stuff, right? So there's a lot of things pointing to that. This is the time that Jesus was talking about. And he talks about this character that's going to come. And they always say, oh, he's referring to himself. And it is kind of himself because it's just the same archetype, right? right. But he calls it the comforter. He calls it the comforter, right? And so yeah. there's a lot of sim- symbolic stuff that actually the Rosicrucians and all that, like the ro- headquarters for the Rosicrucians is, is in San Jose, California, right? In the Bay Area, mm-hmm. right? And um, the Pasadena I don't know if you guys saw this, but no, it's in San Jose in the Bay Area. So Pasadena is, is Southern California. The Bay Area is Where was North, Parsons Northern from? or Mid-California. Where's what? Parsons. Where was he at in California? Oh, he was in Southern California. Yeah, Parsons. But uh, you know, he was he he worked with NASA and stuff like that. So he he moved around a little bit. But he was I think he died in Southern California, and that's where he mostly stayed was was mm-hmm. Southern California. Mm-hmm. And that's why they had you know Hollywood and all that. They actually the first capital, and well, it wasn't technically the first, but it was it was the second. They they first made the first capital. Um, in Monterey, uh, and then they moved it to San Jose. And then the first place that they were going to set up Hollywood, and it was at the old radio cities and all that stuff, where it was the it was before Hollywood really got built out, was in in the Bay Area. It was in hmm. San Jose. And then they decided that they wanted to move it, and they moved it down to Southern California because they had better lighting and they can build all these studios, and it was cheaper and stuff because they were out there in the desert. So they moved it all down to Southern California. And then they made the tech industry in Silicon Valley, which is San Jose, right? And the Rosicrucian headquarters is is right there, right in the middle of Silicon Valley, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason I mention that is because if you if you see behind a lot of, of why they made certain moves and did certain things and some of their symbology and you know certain things that the Masons did and all the stuff where they're talking to where they they christened the Golden Gate. And there's a reason why they call it the Golden Gate, right? There's in Egyptian um, astrology and mythology, there's the Golden Gate of the gods, or gods, and then there's the Silver Gate of the humans of how we enter and exit mm-hmm. into this world. And they're at the opposite ends of the Milky Way, on this, you know, with all these constellations, like what I was telling you guys, because I was trying to get to something with that whole constellation thing too. But we can go into that in another episode because probably, we're probably getting a little too far along. But they they name it the Golden Gate. It was actually the pass that went through there was the Golden Gate. And then they made the bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. And once they made the bridge over that Golden Gate, which le- leads into the Pacific, and it's the farthest west you can go before you go back around the world. So it was the very end of the world. You see what I'm saying? So there's, there's mm-hmm. symbology behind that. And then it leads into the ocean of the Pacific. Well, the Pacific means pacify. Well, another synonym for pacify is comfort. Right. And this yeah. is like Sewantaneo, uh, right? And the Shawshank Redemption. He goes, I want to go to Sewantaneo because it forgets about everything you did. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> so this is where it'll comfort you and make you forget about all the, the past things and realize, you know, that you can let go of all that, that there was a meaning behind it. We had to race forward to this point. Now we're at the end. You see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. they did this, they did this procession across the Golden Gate where they were putting Jesus through all of his temptations 
And then the final one, as he crossed over into San Francisco, was the temptation of the whores and stuff like that, like, you know, sex yeah. and all that, right? Mm-hmm. Which he had to block. So that we have to get to that point where we go through all those temptations and learn that they're not those things. That's what the devil tricks us with. Those are lures, right? We don't want to be fished. We don't want to be pulled in. We don't want to be eaten. We want to pass the test. Right. And that's what Jesus was showing through his walk through the temptation. And they say, this is the final place. This is the end. This is where the comforter will come. They say that specifically Mm. when they when they christened the glory and they did it on the epiphany. They did it on Jesus's original birthday. They built that bridge. So they did it in 1933. Find out. On the next episode of Dragon Ball Z, if the Golden Gate Bridge is a portal to another dimension, and if Giant is going to go there and show us the portal to the, the, the other dimension, <laughs> maybe it's it is. Oh yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought about it like that, but you're bringing up some good points, and definitely like secret societies like the Rosicrucians and all these other people, they were onto something. What was it? We don't know because they're secret societies, and that's why they were called the Circles. But yeah, I think that's it's uh, that's part of it the emulation right of the macro in the little yeah. in the little sense so if you align your seven chakras with the seven s- stars in the sky and you illuminate you're able to emulate that and kind of sort of transcend to that next dimension by mirroring that reality and morphing into it like as one it's it's a weird kind of concept but it makes sense it makes sense to me i mean i don't know but the the golden gate bridge connection i never Never even thought about it. that's crazy. Let me can I can I add one can I add one more thing to this that'll make it interesting? Yeah. Right. Hell yeah, man. So so w- when we when we process right, we're so in all these like uh, um, sculptures of Mithra and all this stuff and and in all these mythological stories that have to do with all these uh, heroes that get embedded into these constellations across the Milky Way, right? At each end of the Milky Way. You have the golden gate and you have the silver gate, right? And then it runs across to each other, right? Mm-hmm. One is on, so so a fucus steps on it on one side, and that's the golden gate, right? And then on the other side is Orion, pretty much, and, and Gemini and the twins. And this is astronomically. So uh, when I was explaining the astrology versus the astronomy, right? Astronomically, it stays in the same place astrology changes as it moves it through the procession and that's why there's a confusion of whether you do tropical or vedic right and the vedic actually if you look at it and there's really genius astrologers i can point you guys to they'll explain all the details of the vedas and the vedic astrology actually is tropical it's not what these people think they're actually way off on thinking that you follow the constellations the only reason they followed stars was for the nakshatras which is the moon and that makes sense because the moon actually doesn't change with the procession. And I can explain that in another one. But oh, yeah. what's happened it what's happened is, and I can show you guys the article, what's happened is is as it's processed, now where Capricorn astronomically is, right? The the constellation of Capricorn, which is a marker place, right? And this is what holds this is where they, they showed where a beejit is and all that stuff, it now is moved into visually for us it has moved into the golden gate it's moved into the center of the milky way lined up with the center of the milky way and that's if you look at it and we'll get into the details we'll talk about this in in more detail 
that, that's what they were talking about. They were showing that when the time period came that this Capricorn uh, time period, this, this solstice that we keep putting this character that comes out, this hero character, we say it's his birthday, right? When that moves into the golden gate, now you have the gate of the God open and now it's going to come. Now those things are going to come. Now you got to the end of the world. They're going to come. Don't come. Mm. You know what I'm saying? In the cosmic bukkake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really, bro. And then the homunculus Everybody emerges. comes. Yeah, bro. Damn. <laughs> and you know that life is just a big cosmic orgy, man. This is crazy. It makes it perfect is. sense. It is, man. That's why we do it, right? That's why we have the orgies mm. that we have. Right? Yeah. All as these, above. All these the Demeter cults. Yeah, yeah. you shoot you shoot from above down below, right? Yeah. <laughs> you would be cocky on. And it's all it's all white, right? It's all milky. Yeah. Damn, dude. The Milky Way. Giant well, boys, hard in the paint. This has been epic. This has been really great. This brought out a lot of cool thoughts that needed to be. It's all freestyle, I too. I mean, this, this is all freestyle fun. So... I think that's the best part about it when we come from about ten different angles and we kind of synergize down to some main focus and it's cool yeah, i apologize for my my signal hopefully on the next one because i i wrote down like a million things that i want to talk about i mean we, <laughs> I didn't, even, we didn't even scratch the surface of any of them <laughs> lots to talk about and I, you know hopefully i'll be in a better place where i got you know i'm back home and i got a clear signal and everything and i don't get all this breakup and everything i apologize yeah for no that we'll, we'll get back together again and, and we'll do this this is fun either way and really yeah, informative yeah. and i mean yeah you just, I like bouncing off ideas. Like you said, it's a think tank, right? We, we, we just yeah. talk it's about like things. Group. <laughs> exactly. So definitely it was yeah. fun. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to share your stuff for my people and where they yeah, can find man. you. Andy, where can they find sure. you? So I'm the deep share podcast. I'm on all the different podcasting apps and I'm on YouTube, Rockfin, Odyssey. Just look for me and uh, the social media. I'm just the deep share. So you can reach out to me there or witness me ranting at people on twitter and stuff like that but yeah that's pretty much it man john you want to plug yourself yeah i just wanted to say um you know you guys i i found you guys in a very weird way obviously through zertus and and how it all <laughs> i i i always have believed and i knew that I would connect with people like you. Right. And that was, that was my journey was actually fine. And I just have to say that you guys are actually excellent interviewers and minds. And you know what I mean? Like I, I watch your guys' stuff as much as I can and everything. And you guys are meant to be doing what you're doing for sure. And, and you guys are connecting into these networks of people that are, you know, extremely important for history well, we won't know this until history passes and we'll be mm. people will look back and right. see how important you guys are and i just wanted to let you guys know that you are uh very unique and high level humans that i believe god really uh you know really honors you guys and what you're doing you appreciate know? It's you very man. special thank yeah, you man. It is. It's, it's, likewise yeah. too man you bring forth yeah. some of the the uh, one of the best perspectives yeah. I've heard on a lot of these topics, man, and it gives a lot of uh, clarity to some of the confusion that I've had. Mm. So, yeah. you know, what we should get yeah. into next time too is giant. You, I don't want to open a can of worms, but I just before I forget, on one of our sync tank episodes, you had 
you were talking about us all raising our vibrations in a in a in like a bad way and I, I i'll leave it at that do you remember what i'm talking about i think i asked you about it afterwards in, in, a, in a bad way yeah like uh, as if uh as if we're all being led to lead our vibe to, to raise our vibrations all together at the same time to like basically make everything vanish or, or stop or something like that or <laughs> yeah it, it, it was but, just kind of getting into what we talked about about uh, okay, okay. People trying, people trying to exit this place. They think that they're going to raise their vibration and exit. You know, in Christianity, a big portion of Christianity believes, hey, yeah, you know, don't worry about here. You know, worry about you know, yeah, making sure I'll you get swear. to heaven. And then the new age people are all like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll think my way out of here and all. It's like, dude, you guys are yeah. all just like, you all want to just leave this? Like, you're you're not sold. Like, come on, you're gonna leave us all down here, the ones that can't exit to be tortured. Then is that mm-hmm. what? If you think this is such a torture, you're gonna leave us here to be tortured? Like, wow, right. that's like, fucked not, up, bro. I just think it's all bullshit. Yeah, no, I totally to agree. Okay, people. that's. I wasn't sure if it was a yeah. bigger threat or not, or the same one. But yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it, <laughs> just on that note, it's pretty wild. It's like. The, I, so when I came out of my psychedelic experiences, I didn't have a lot of people to talk about what I felt. So I immediately went to books and documentaries and stuff and the push and the motivation to spread the idea that this is all an illusion and that in such simple terms, it really does motivate people to think that way. Like, I want to get to the real me. Oh, I heard the real me is like really big too. It's like the size of the Christ. It's got a big dick. Dude. Yeah, man. And I think this is a hard conversation to have with a large group of really curious, really intelligent people that I'm not saying we know more, I think these perspectives are really important to suss out before, like I said, we start leaving, leaving the ground. You don't know, don't have it with me, bro. Yeah. I'll make plenty of dick jokes. And <laughs> somebody, somebody left me a comment on one of my videos. Like, I don't like the homoeroticism, but I, I love the content. <laughs> <laughs> so he loves the homoeroticism. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Oh, uh, all the hard nipples, right? It, it gives them bad imagery. They don't like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it, don't, it makes them feel uncomfortable. But I'm here to make people feel uncomfortable. We're here for that. So... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you gotta have oh, fun yeah. with it. So yeah, okay. you can find me, the one on podcast.com. All my links are on there at the one on podcast on all social media platforms, mostly YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Patreon.com, everywhere. Just Google it and you'll find me. And this is great, guys. I appreciate it. And we'll get back together soon because I know this was in the making for a little bit. And I know yeah, I talked to Giant yeah, like last hard, year man. that we were going to get together and it never happened. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll make it happen sooner than later. Guys. No, you're good, bro. Oh, no worries, man. Absolutely. You're doing, you're doing the work you got to do, man. So yeah, for we'll sure. Catch you yeah, again. I'm we'll make sure a, the next... a big, Go ahead. I'm building out a big, uh, I'm building out a big studio and uh, I'm trying to get a um, Sprinter van set up and, you know, so we can travel across the country and nice. look at some of these sites and stuff. And I, I, yeah, I'm just trying, I'm trying to build some things. And I just, you know, want to network with you guys. I don't really have any, you know, my channel, I don't really, I used to use it a little bit, just make some like music videos with pictures and stuff like that. But I'm going to, I'm going to start, you know, doing a lot more, but as, as of now, I'll just be, you know, coming on your guys' shows and we'll be talking about cool things, different stuff. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And next time we'll try to make sure it's, it, it aligns with your schedule. With yeah. Your yeah, let so, us know when you're home, and then uh, we'll, we'll do it then. Yeah, we'll work around you, man. 
For sure, brothers. I appreciate it. And love you guys, man. Thank right. you. Love yeah. you too, bro. Thank love you for coming you, on. And everybody listening Absolutely. and watching, love you. Thank you so much for tuning into this epic conversation. We'll mm. definitely have more. And the next one, I'll have a dream machine. I'm going to trip balls on air. (laughs) (laughs) I'll smoke DMT at the same time. We'll see if we can meet up in hyperspace. Yeah, and and touch tips while we're in there. So I'll catch you guys later. (laughs) Red stick. Good night. Big fire. Later, guys. All right. Good night, guys. (laughs) At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.